get it going. It's time to get up. Rodgers going to air it out. There he is. Valdez Scantling for the touchdown. Right on cue. Rodgers just let it fly and knew he had an easy six. These guys are here to break it all down. He told the player, you know, if you ever have a daughter, I'd like you to name her Roxy. Because then she'll know why you're playing in the American Hockey League. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Will you shut up, up, man? This is the starting lineup with James Zabalski and Perry Solkowski. Oh, it's Friday. And man, this week, I feel like most of us could all appreciate the fact that today is Friday. TGIF, what's going on? James Sabalski here. Perry Solkowski there. Greg Ballack kicking it on the other side of the glass with his feet already up for the weekend on this Friday, November 6th. This is the starting lineup on Sportsnet 650. I know you love your Fridays, and this one, this week, this feels like a perfect day to roll into the weekend. It is, but you know how the start of a day can just can set your tone, and boy, oh boy, down south, everyone's tone is being set for a lot of people going, wow, it's like Christmas morning. But, but here's mine. In a world where we have to social distance, we talked about it a couple weeks ago, if not last week, you know, and you were surprised going, hey, Paramount, someone outside my window looking for bottles of recycling. Today's recycling day, so I get up early, make sure I can get it done so I could join us for the meeting. So I get out, I hear a car show up. I, I've just put out a couple of the blue recycling bins. I haven't even pulled open. It's garbage day, too. So I've got the compost. I've got my garbage bag, my, my big garbage bin. I can't roll it out of my driveway because the guy getting the bottles has parked his car there. That's enough, all right? I don't need my Friday morning. Take my bottles, but can you not just let me do my job? Like, I want, he goes, oh, I'm in the way. Yeah, kind of. Like, I'd like to put my, I'd like to put the garbage bins out. It's got me in a bad mood. <laughs> You're in a bad mood already. Well, I'll it's tell you what. Five, man. Like, let me, let me get out of my driveway, park yeah. on the road, and find the bottles. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Move down. Go somewhere else. Somewhere else. Move on. Run along. You get a nice guy. He starts making bear chatter. I hope he's not listening this morning as he stops in front of places. But I just thought, give me a little space. Give me space. Give Uh, people space, everybody. uh, Yeah, not at this time. Not at this time of the day, right? Like it's two. Here's what we got coming up over the the next three hours here on this uh, Friday edition. Uh, Coming up in just a couple of minutes, Steve Rapp from Sports Interactions Inside the Lines going to drop by um, and pick some winners. Try to get you paid in week number nine of the National Football League, which kicked off last night with a dominant Packers win. 6.30, we've got Seaball says. Uh, Coming up at 7 o'clock, the second reading of Bill C-218 uh, went down in the House of Commons this week, and uh, that's to legalize single sports wagering. So if you like to gamble, we've got a lot of it this morning. Uh, but Kevin Waugh, conservative MP, is going to join us uh, uh, out of Saskatoon, uh, who has been one of the people uh, pushing this uh, forward. And I'll tell you what, I think there's an appetite this time around. It, they've tried to do this in the past, but this time there seems to be more of an appetite. And I'll tell you what, with the amount of debt that this country provinces are racking up, um, I think finding a way to pay some of this off, single sports wagering, being able to bet on the Super Bowl here in this country legally, um, being able to bet on a Canucks and Flames game, being able to bet on those sorts of events. I think there's an appetite this time around. So we'll get into that coming up at 7 o'clock. Um, no BS, just PS coming up your way at 745. And uh, from the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, Christian Covington, former Vancouver College product, is going to join us in the 8 o'clock hour pair. 
Yeah, we will. Uh, they're in a bye week after a big win for them. We last talked to Christian and his father, actually, uh, in the back, you know, when Black Lives Matters and protests were going on. He was in Houston. So ironic, the election uh, seems to be uh, close to wrapping up today. So we'll get a chance with him. He's been good at Cincinnati, too. I think he now comes and he carries himself so well. So we'll see what kind of leadership role he feels he's been providing there and what he thinks about his quarterback, who for my money, we saw a pretty good quarterback last night to rip apart San Francisco. Joe Burrow has been as advertised. Um, you know, we'll see when Tua gets going, but Joe Burrow has been great for the Cincinnati Bengals. Look forward to that conversation about a lot of things with Christian Covington. Absolutely, and, and beat a really good team last week too in the Tennessee Titans that uh, came, what, went away from reaching the Super Bowl uh, earlier this year. So uh, the Dunbar Lumber text line always open for business, 650-650. You can also find us on Twitter, at Sportsnet650, where, man, I think a lot of people this morning um, waking up to the news that uh, both Georgia and Pennsylvania have flipped here, Perry, in the color of blue. Yeah, yeah, you know, it has been fascinating to watch. That being said, see, ball boy, I was I was welcoming some football last night to watch something different because you're waiting and you're waiting for things to happen. Um, but yeah, wake up this morning and you take a look. If you know you got things to do before the election, uh, there's a whole lot of stuff going on. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm just chuckling because I went on social media. Bruce Springsteen. There's a site who they they just take Bruce Springsteen lyrics and uh, the lyrics are pertinent to what's going on in the election. Just a second ago, Bruce Springsteen, a lyric from one of his songs, while well, they blew up the chicken man in Philly last night. Um, and yeah, Pennsylvania has just flipped. Georgia flipped this morning and uh, all he needed was Pennsylvania. And, and we have... We would have a new president down south. It's it's been fascinating to see how it's taken place. And and I tell you what, President Trump's speech yesterday was unbelievable oh. with three of major networks pulling away from it. <laughs> it, it it has just gone and that's the thing. Like people walked away from that yesterday going, dude, like could you be a bigger sore loser? You know, could you be a bigger sore loser trying to go scorched earth? You know, late afternoon for us yesterday watching this. And I think just people were like, man, really? And and for so many other people kind of thinking, you know, this was this was the playbook all along. You know, Hillary, uh, Hillary Clinton called this four years ago, right? Always blaming somebody else, always finding an excuse. You know, Stephen Colbert last night on The Late Show got emotional talking about this. Um, but tell you what, I mean, we're starting to see the numbers swing and – uh, as you mentioned, Georgia and Pennsylvania. But it kind of got me thinking, right? Like, here's a guy who's just being a straight-up, old-school, sore loser. Which, if yeah. you bring it back to a sporting realm pair, who's the biggest sore loser in sports? I mean, watching that play out, like, who's like who comes to mind as sore losers in sports? When you think of people who just cannot accept defeat, like everything you try to teach your kid, don't be a sore loser. Nobody mm -hmm. likes a sore loser. And here's this guy like just ah, 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 coming up with every possible excuse like mail-in ballots. We need to disqualify all the mail-in ballots from a sports standpoint. Sore losers. Who are ones that well, come to mind? Isaiah Thomas. You, know, you just mentioned him in the news this week. The Pistons, oh, the bad boys. Those are ones that come front and center. 
they lose and walk off the court. Yeah, a lot of people saw that in the uh, in the last dance, and they lose and walk off the court. And then Isaiah's just, oh, I mean, look before people before lost. No, man, shake hands. That's the beauty of NHL hockey in the playoffs. Nick Karios on tennis and John McEnroe. If you go generations back, with uh, how they would take it, uh, you know, it never seemed like it was their fault when they were being beat. I think you see a lot of tennis players come to the net begrudgingly um to shake hands that certainly would in my mind be considered some sore losers um you know it it's yeah it's i was gonna say i was gonna go with zidane but i don't think that's a sore loser when he made his issues um in the world cup but james the obvious one and 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 people would think of it and that's what i'm fearful tonight it being a friday night is what's going to happen tonight. Well, what about this city? As passionate as sports fans are, are Canucks fans good losers? <laughs> They're awful losers. Come on, man. Like, there's no other way to put it. Two riots after Game 7's in a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, I mean, the truth hurts, right? But that's, that's valid. People suggesting it, you know, you look at some lists. I mean... Canucks fans are on there. I mean, when you riot not once, but twice after failed Game 7s in the Stanley Cup Final, you're probably going to earn a reputation of being a sore loser. Now, Fair? we should say this, though, and, and the Dumberline text line is open. I think the true fans will go, don't lump us in with people who are coming to take advantage of a situation. But a lot of people wearing Canucks jerseys when you look at those riots, too. Right. I mean, how do you are the were people leaving the arena to go downtown? I don't think so. But yeah, sore losers. I, I think if you had people talking about it in Toronto, they go, oh, what about the Canucks fans, man? They riot all the time when those guys lose. Yeah, people, unfortunately, we're on that yeah. list. Yeah. I mean, feel free to text in 650, 650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line at Sportsnet 650. We're asking you this as well. Uh, you know what? You know whose name's popping up a lot already this morning? Sidney Crosby. And for those that may forget, Sidney Crosby and the Penguins didn't line up to shake hands with the Red Wings um, when the Pens came up short in the Stanley Cup final, going back, what, 10, 12 years ago now. Um, yeah. But Sidney Crosby kind of, you know, there, people have not forgotten about that one and his name coming up a lot. The Swedish uh, player, uh, what was it, Lindmark, who threw his, uh, threw his medal into Leas the Leas Anderson. Yes, our Anderson, yeah. Leas Anderson. Chucking there it into is, the crowd. Um, and I don't know her name, but in Pyeongchang, a uh, Canadian hockey player who received her medal uh, and wasn't putting it around her neck or took it off her neck right away. You see that in world competitions quite a bit, right? I'd have to Google and find her name, French-Canadian girl, who, you know, I think apologized after and said, he to the moment, I should never have done that. But automatically you go, all right, that's, that's disgraceful. You're a sore loser. You know, there's, uh, you know what, Bill Belichick's name's come up. Uh, reputation there for being a sore loser. A couple times he didn't address the media after a couple of stinging losses, notably the 2012 AFC Championship at Foxborough, and they lost to the Baltimore Ravens. Um, how about somebody also messaging in, suggesting the former owner of the USFL's New Jersey Generals? Donald Trump. That, 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 yeah, I mean, that's why we're bringing it up, for sure. 
He leads it. See, we're just, you know, here's the thing. Sore loser or – see, Ryan Kessler, to me, if I go through Canucks, he was a sore loser. Like, he would never – he would never be around if they lost. Now, is that a sore loser or is that a guy that did everything to win and doesn't want to talk about it? Right. There you go. You give credit to a Henrik Sedin. You give credit to a Bo Horvat. You know, when, when hockey games are lost credit to the captain who normally steps up and wins, I think you were telling stories back in Toronto, you know, the Leafs would lose all those guys would hide away. Right. Mm -hmm. So does that mean they're a sore loser in a sense, right? They, you know, want to avoid the media, but, you know, aren't willing to talk about it. How about this? Funny enough, pair we, we we talk about sore losers and, and whether it's fair or foul to lump Canucks fans in with that being a sore loser based on history. I I was in the mall running an errand yesterday, and I went into kind of a sports apparel shop, and I asked a guy. I said, "Hey, like, you're selling a lot of Canucks stuff these days," and the guy said, "No, not really." Um, and I said, no, he, goes, uh, he said, no, he goes, actually a couple of weeks ago, I had a woman who came in and bought this Canucks ball cap and she came back a week later, um, and said, my husband hates the Canucks. Now she bought it for him for his birthday and she came back a week later and returned it saying my husband now hates the Canucks. And that the Vegas Golden Knights are kind of the the hockey team that they sell the most amount of merchandise for these days, and that's here in Vancouver. Now that's just one sports apparel store, but so let me get this right. She bought it for her husband for his birthday, thinking he for his birthday, thinking he was a Canucks fan, but maybe yep. not having that sports conversation. Came and back and said, "No, he hates them now." Yeah, so he didn't just change in that three week span. Somewhere along the way, he broke up with the hometown team. And uh, she didn't know. Mm -hmm. Which leads me to this conversation I had with my wife yesterday of 26 years. Yeah, you know, I was, I was doing her job and she was talking to someone and just through the conversation, the person had mentioned they were in the media and had uh, worked in radio. And that um, your one-time colleague on this morning show, now a politician, uh, was good friends with him. And my wife said, "Oh, my uh, husband's in, in the radio business." Okay, who does, who does she work? Who does he work for? And she drew a blank. <laughs> I said, "Really?" She goes, oh, "Like it's, it's Rogers. Like who has hockey?" And then the guy <laughs> mentioned sports at six pitch. She goes, "That's it." That's the and one. And I just said, and that's why we've been married 26 years. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do? I don't know. I'm I think if sure. she was really pressured, she would have come up with it, but top of mind, just kind of forgot. <laughs> Torgy and Langley on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. That husband returning the Canucks hat is a sore loser. <laughs> Jay and Lady Smith, the Swedish kid that won silver at the World Juniors and tossed it over the boards, as we mentioned, Leah Anderson for sure. Uh, some taking uh, taking issue with the suggestion that Canucks fans are sore losers. Pair, Van City riots for anything, canceled rock shows, pipelines, hockey games, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, that's fair. We're driving by yeah. Rogers Arena the next morning, or then GM Place after that GNR can, uh, show got canceled and yeah. the arena got Steve, beat up pretty good. That's a Dunbar text lane also uh, was suggesting Steve Francis. That's very, very good. For oh people my God. who remember and missed the 25th anniversary of the Grizzlies, 
Man, that started at day one. You draft him, and he did not want to come. He was bitter. He was uneducated in what this city was all about. Um, yeah, I, 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 I would say Steve Francis certainly is sort of you know, and 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 it's totally understandable, and the emotion, and that I'll tell you what, that was my first, that was my first trip ever to Vancouver, being sent out, and a year later, I was I was moved out here to be kind of the Vancouver bureau uh, chief for the score way back when, twenty years ago, but I had first come out here in uh, for that draft, and Steve Francis, and he was going to be the game changer, right, and the eye roll. Right, yeah. the eye yes. roll, and oh man, like you had an arena, people just like, okay, finally, we were, we've been waiting four years for something like this, and just like, oh, like it, it's thanks, Steve, you basically crapped on all of us. But and and funny story to bring this all together to Sportsnet six fifty pair, I was doing some uh, fan interviews before the draft that day. Sat yeah. Shaw, a young Sat Shaw, I had interviewed um, for the score way back when, and. Um, he remembers it better than I do, but there you go. Connecting, what, well, 20 years ago, long before. And we here's were... one thing. Way back when, VTV, the station I worked for and I moved from Edmonton to, we had the rights to the Grizzlies. So when Francis was drafted, he had to come through. Shockingly to you, when we brought him on the set and I did an interview with him, I played a game with him. We kind of played match game, right? And I tell you what, that kid laughed. He didn't know Pamela Anderson. Like, okay, who's from BC? It was all about BC. Pamela Anderson's from BC in her prime of Baywatch and stuff. Like, honestly, camera on, camera off. What a nice kid. Fun kid. And I thought, you know what? Probably just made the wrong reaction, the wrong statement. He'll buy into it. Uh, didn't mind him, but boy, soy loser. Yeah, I can understand that perception. That's a good call. Eric Eric Lindros, um, you know, not not you know what, and I was I turned out to I, sure. I gradually came around to being a Big E fan, but come he, on, um, baby but, Eric doesn't want to oh, be I mean, by Quebec. Well, I mean, he he essentially did what Steve Francis did here, right, to the Quebec Nordiques. Essentially, what Lindros did, right, had his name called, and then I mean, then the league to to kind of bungle the way it all kind of played out with the you know trading him twice. <laughs> you know, having to go to an arbitrator to determine, well, who did you trade him to? But when it all kind of started, the guy who was kind of perceived as the next one, like imagine that now. Like if we talk so much about generational talent and somebody gets drafted first overall, like imagine Connor McDavid said, I am not playing for the Oilers. Even Connor McDavid's face when he found out he was going to the Oilers pair. Remember that? The draft lottery? He's kind of like, oh, Edmonton. Okay. <laughs> Well, we, we thought that might be part of Joe Burrow, right? I don't want to go to Cincinnati. We'll talk to his teammate, uh, Christian Covington, in the 8 o'clock hour. But, you know, you wondered about it because it's happened before. happened with Peyton Manning. But, yeah, it'd be tougher to do right now in 2020. Let's get to uh, Steve Rapp from Sports Interactions Inside the Lines, who joins us uh, here on this Friday morning. Uh, ready to try to get you paid, Mr. Rapp. Did you get paid last night with that Packers win? Uh, no, but uh, I, I you couldn't play that game. But I thought what was interesting is the total with the two just nothing touchdowns by San Francisco at the end, one on the last play of the game. That uh, that total opened fifty and a half, closed forty eight and a half, and uh, lands fifty one. So I thought that was interesting. Yes, I but believe no, our play. colleague Adam Forsythe tweeted. I had the over and the packs. Thank you, meaningless touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my yeah, buddy yeah, sent me the was... same thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what the backdoors. Are. I heard you just talking about Joe Burrow backdoor Joe. Uh, that was a backdoor cover. That's uh, 
That's uh, that's the definition of that in the dictionary. Well, Does that, do you yeah. want that nickname? No. Backdoor cover? Backdoor Joe? I, I mean, <laughs> it's, hey, it's, it's backdoor, backdoor Perry. Gambling. It's, yeah, it's, it's gambling parlance. I was wondering that myself, but it's gambling parlance. Okay, yeah, I, I, I get it. move on I, from this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Fair enough. Say. It's Friday. We're just trying to keep <laughs> it light. Friday. I'm, try, I'm trying to keep my job, so let's just move on, right? <laughs> <laughs> we do our best to lose ours Monday through Thursday, so Friday we figure we made it to the finish line. And you can't and you can't pick your nickname too. That's the other thing. You're not allowed to pick your own nickname. Hey, call me Backdoor uh cover. <laughs> I heard that you can't give yourself a nickname. I think I might have given myself house money though. So there you go. All right. All right, what are we doing with Seattle and Buffalo? The Hawks are always good when they play in the Eastern time zone. Look good on Sunday, but they take on a Bills team that's been playing well. Yeah, and uh, something for everybody today, guys. And if you like the Seahawks playing the current number three, you best jump on it now. This number opened two and a half. Both Joes and Pros have pushed this to three. I think you might see three and a half by Sunday, guys. And I hate to jump on board such a popular play, but I have to agree with the book, uh, agree with the public here. This looks like a Seattle win. The Bills uh, thin in the secondary, and that's a bad thing when you're playing Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf especially the huge height reach advantage that Metcalf's going to have over uh, quarterback for David for Davius White. Planning so and plan on a big DK fantasy day if that is what your thing is. Uh, we've mentioned in the past the West Coast teams traveling east. Uh, east, we might get some value here. That's now baked into the line. Perry, you just said it. Seattle seems to like to travel. Maybe it's a Pete Carroll bonding thing or something. These four different numbers that you brought up, he's 14-7-3 and three against the spread in 1 p.m. starts. Even better, Hawks is the start of the 28th season. 9-0 and straight up, 7-1-1 one and one against the spread in the Eastern time zone. They've also get better versus better competition, going 7-1 against the spread uh, in their last eight road games versus teams with a winning record. I like Seattle team here against the Bills team that hasn't covered in four straight. Barry, I'm impressed that you uh, you knew how well then those uh, that Seattle was doing on the East Coast. I tell you, one day I want you to invite me on Sports Interactions. Pal, I had a 1 in 110, 110 to 1 odds that I lost last uh, on Sunday because Dallas couldn't cover, and they almost did. Uh, yeah, it's been oh, a good run it. for me. Yeah, I, uh, I lost, I lost uh, that money line parlay last week, Miami to New England, when Cam dropped the ball. So uh, we all have heartbreaking gambling stories. Yeah, uh, Steve Rapp from Sports Interactions Inside the Lines, Canada's odds makers, with us here on Sportsnet 650. Uh, all right, Bears have lost two straight here, uh, and they've got Tennessee also coming off a loss uh, or two straight losses, for that matter. Uh, where do you see this one as the Titans uh, sit at uh, six-point favorites here? James, I don't know if this is going to make you happy or not happy here, but uh, doing this one just for you, uh, and you know your Bears have some COVID problems. Uh, the public's bet Titans, but the bigger money came on the Bears early. It moved them from plus six and a half to plus six. Now, this morning, we have had a move back to six and a half. And, James, I'm not happy now. I'm going to be landing on the Bears here. Uh, the Bears are downright offensive most of the times on offense, but if you look at the points they put up against the poor defense in the league, it looks better. 27 against the Lions, 30 against Atlanta, 23 against both uh, the Panthers and the Saints. I don't know, kind of surprises you. It did surprise me. Uh, the Titans played the Bengals last week, and I was on them, and I said the Bengals' offensive line was getting their QB killed. Well, the Titans managed not to put a hand on them, and Cincinnati had four backups playing over line. Uh, they also allow opponents to get into the red zone, on score on eight out of ten red zone attempts. And I've been touting road dogs all year, guys. 
and same as value on the money line. Road dogs of under six points or fewer are a solid 72% against the spread this season. The Bears have lost only two games by more than three points. The Titans have only won one by more than six. Numbers set up here for me, for the, uh, for the Sharps, and for James Sabalski taking the Bears plus six and a half. Oh, look at wow. that. Wow. I mean, you're right. They do put the uh, O. Uh, they do put the O in off- offensive, man. Like they, like it has just been brutal these last but few then, weeks. But I just named the four, five games, four games that they put up points. So yeah. I mean, yeah, they look bad against good defenses, but they don't look that bad against bad defenses. And and I, Tennessee's got one of the worst. Well, and the encouraging thing last week is that you actually saw a couple of deep balls have some success. Like, they finally kind of struck their some of their longest plays of the year last week in that loss. And a game, and a game that was very winnable. Like, they, they, that's a defense that gives you a shot every week. Just meet them halfway. Like, meet them a third of the way for that matter. I digress. Yeah, I'm, sure I'm sure you've talked about this. Isn't it time to go back to Trubisky? He gives you more options. He can do the same thing as Foles, that he can throw bad interceptions. But at least he can give you some first downs with his feet. Foles can't do that. I think it's time to go back. Well, but I mean, I think it looks like Mitch is going to miss some time here for the next little bit. So I think it's he's got a bad shoulder now. So I think when he gets healthy, if the if the if the trend continues from a losing standpoint, yeah, I think you, 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 I don't I don't think you're married to Nick Foles at this point now. Uh, one final one, Steve. Uh, thank goodness for betting us. I don't know why people watch NFC East battles, but you got the Giants in Washington. What's your final play on that? Yeah, let's be quick here. I know you're the great Todd Berman, the guest of yours, says the money you make is green. So I'm going to uh, take some points or even plus money on the money line here is the way to go. The fact that the football team is covered versus anybody is funny enough, but they opened three and a half. Public and pros jumping on them. It's now two and a half. Uh, once again, I'm going to look to take the points. I'm going to ride with the masses. Uh, the Giants keep competing after they almost you know, beat them. Short of taking the Bucks overtime. Uh, this is the match of three matches three weeks ago. The G-Men won by a point. No reason to think this will be seeing any difference. Giants won in three of their last four games, but those losses came by a total of six points. The Redskins, their last win was over the Cowboys, so what's that worth now? Giants 4-0 against the spread their last four. 20-7 against the spread their last 27 on the road. Uh, I said it in the last game, road dogs in this range, 72% this season. I'm going to take two and a half. Taking the two and a half. All right. There you go. Uh, Have a great weekend, my friend. Nice to uh, catch up with you. Uh, Nice to tap dance around nicknames. And uh, we're looking forward to listening to you on Sunday morning at 7 a.m. here on Sportsnet 650. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, guys. Great weekend. You as well. There he is, Steve Rapp from Sports Interactions Inside the Lines, coming at you Sunday mornings beginning at 7 a.m., getting you set for Sunday action in the National Football League. All right, 27 minutes after 6 o'clock here on this Friday morning. He's Perry. I'm James. Keep those texts coming in. Biggest sports, uh, biggest sore loser in sports. A couple more suggestions coming in, some great ones at that. Still to come, uh, you can text us in at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. But in a moment, why the Blue Jays and James Paxton have a chance to right a major wrong from 11 years ago. That's next right here on Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 6.32 here on this Friday morning, shaping up to be a pretty sunny weekend. Take that as a win. How about this story, Pear? Uh, just coming down the wire in the last couple of minutes, the Boston Red Sox 
have once again named Alex Cora their manager. The guy speaking who lost his job. Yeah, speaking of sore loser. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wondered, you know, he didn't sign it 10 minutes ago. You know, he signed it yesterday or a few days ago. I, I like the PR strategy. Okay, there's going to be some people who aren't big on this news. Hey, when are you going to release it? Should I be ready for a press conference? You know, we'll just pick the right time. Oh, it looks like Biden's winning the presidency. Hey, guys, send that core thing out now. Pardon? <laughs> no, Biden just, no, send that core thing out right now. Like, really? Is there another time to do it? You do it within about 20 minutes of, you know, it, it seems like they have a new president on its way. Hey, yeah, let's just see if we can slide this right underneath until Alex is coming back. Well, it, it does speak. It speaks volumes that if you are successful or you're good at what you do in sports, you know, doesn't matter what rules or laws you break, you'll pretty much find a job, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Antonio Brown serves his eight-game suspension. Boom. Everybody wants him. There he is playing with Tom Brady and the Bucks this coming uh, this coming weekend on the Sunday night. And then you've got, what, A.J. Hinch. He lost his job with the Astros last year. Boom. He gets hired in the last week by the Detroit Tigers. Here's Alex Cora, you know, oh, no, 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 we got to step away from this. This is wrong. This is an absolute travesty. He got suspended. All right, boom. All right, that suspension's over. Season's done. Okay, come on in. Hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. Nice to see you again. Welcome back. Yeah, and, and, and I won't put any of, you know, the Antonio Brown and domestic violence. That's a different thing. I got a bigger issue with the NFL bringing those players back. But, you know, cheating the game sometimes, you just think, you know, what, what can baseball do? You handed him his suspension, and um, I guess at the end of the day, he can be apologetic, said that, you know, I, I deserve to be sitting out for a year. But you're right. If he's good at what he does, usually there's a way to find someone back into their league. Uh, great text on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 from Mike and Ladner suggesting we're talking about biggest sore losers in sports. How about Serena Williams, Mike's suggestion? Excellent submission. And the GOAT in her respective field? But man, oh man, like the when when she goes down, it is like the Hindenburg. Yeah, and and Mike would be referring to remember the the one time with uh, Osaka and her coach. Is he coaching from the box and she was losing? That's a rant that I I'm sure she wishes she had back because I'm a Serena Williams fan. But Mike, you're correct. Man, she went down. She was not going to take it on her stage in New York, U.S. Open. Uh, there was some bitterness there. And Serena Williams, unable to win uh, a slam as a mother, and there's a great documentary about it, trying to get it done. But I just think at some point, that, that sport's hard on you. And her body's just breaking down for her on her. And uh, I don't know if she'll ever see the winner's circle again. Well, Pear, it, it's not just the Naomi Osaka. How about foot fault, right? Remember the old, yeah, I'll shove point. this ball down your throat? I didn't yeah. say that. <laughs> yeah, good point. Forgot about that. Yeah, there, there's there's a couple that come up. Great submission there from Mike uh, Mike and Ladner. Sports uh, biggest sore losers. We've been uh, looking for submissions all morning long. What do you say we get into uh, today's edition of Seaball Says? And uh, happy it. birthday to James Paxton, LBC's own. James Paxton celebrating a birthday today, now 32, and 
MLB's free agency period is underway. There are lots of rumors floating around, players on the move, including four-time All-Star Francisco Lindor, who could also be a trade target for the Blue Jays. And speaking of which, when then-Blue Jays manager Alex Anthopoulos pushed all those chips in back in 2015, landing David Price and Troy Tulowitzki, those moves ignited a once-dormant fan base across the country and reconnected with Canada's lone Major League Baseball team. And then things kind of went fever pitch a few months later when Joey Bats taught us how to bat flip 101. I can admit it. Who didn't buy a ball cap with a Jays logo on it about five years ago? Everybody seemed to have one around here. Problem is, it wasn't sustainable. After back-to-back American League Championship appearances, the core got old, broke down, and a new management team led by Mark Shapiro stripped the team down to the studs and went full-on rebuild. One of the five largest markets in North America went full-on small town with a painful restocking of the farm, which is now beginning to pay off with a cameo appearance in the playoffs thanks to an expanded system by Major League Baseball. There's promise within the Jays once again. Bichette, Pearson, Jansen, and hopefully a slimmed-down Vladdy Jr., along with the fact that they were helped by the fact that they brought in an ace in Ryu this past season. Now there's a chance to add more help on the bump, and they should look no further than a dance partner, which could help the Jays right a serious wrong from years ago. And that's bring James Paxton back to this side of the border. Back in 2009, the Jays drafted the Ladner lefty in the first round of the amateur draft, but the two sides, they couldn't reach an agreement, and it never happened. Paxton grew into a stud in Seattle and served up a what-could-have-been moment for Jays fans when he tossed a no-no back in 2018 at Rogers Center. Paxton has done it! It's a no-hitter! The big lefty is getting mobbed out of the mound! The lefty from Ladner, British Columbia, has thrown the sixth no-hitter in the history of the Seattle Mariners franchise. The young man from British Columbia throws a no-hitter against the Blue Jays. He joined the Yankees, and while there was promise, injuries once again haunted the B.C. native. And going into a free agency market already impacted financially by COVID-19, this is where a once-failed relationship seems like now is the time to be a perfect fit. We are, we're done being stupid. Okay. It's you and me, all right? This is it. This is it. Unless we're on a break. <laughs> I couldn't resist that one. All right, reports have already suggested that the Jays and the 32-year-old could be a fit. The Jays landing a veteran arm and Canadian talent and Paxton getting a chance to play in his home and native land. Oh, and I'm going to play to the fan base here. And the opportunity is there to make something right 11 years later. The Big Maple and Canada's team, the Jays and Paxton, Ladner and Bay Street, make it happen because it feels like the fit should be absolutely perfect. You got it. Paxton, Jays, let's see it happen, Perry. I like it. You know, we talk of hometown discounts all the time when you, you see an NHL and go, okay, uh, wouldn't he want to play in his hometown? Don't need a discount, but this would be a great fit at the right time. 
you know, locally here when Brett Lowey was wearing that Blue Jay uh, uniform. Oh, wow. All of a sudden you have that love. You know, Scott Richmond is someone who's been on our show before, a Canadian who played. But no one has been of the level of a James Paxton. And the Blue Jays are at the right time where you, you don't do it just because he's Canadian. And go, oh, this would probably be great. You do it because it's a fit. It's a necessity. And it might work for both. New ways of doing things. I think this would be absolutely awesome to have him. It was great that he pitched so close to home in Seattle. Good for him to try things in New York on the biggest stage. But James, completely agree with you. Would love this if the two sides could work out a deal and he could put on a Blue Jay uniform. You know, this isn't going to be the home run contract that I think Paxton was hoping for nope. when he had a chance to become a free agent. Um, but boy, oh boy, it just feels like the climate is ripe for both sides to kind of find each other here. You know, the Jays obviously could use some more help in their rotation. You know, Paxton could use a nice, comfortable landing spot for him to kind of get back on track, get back to full health. And I feel like this could be a, a nice fit. You know what? He'll he'll get the love in being the Canadian, playing for the Jays. The Jays have tried to do these fits before as well and with mixed results with the Canadian players. But I, it just feels like a win to me. Here's the interesting part, because it, it, it wins from all sides, except when you get into the business part of things. Remember Berkey yesterday, Brian Burke on, we were talking about, you know, not enough trades. You hand out these no trade clauses. He goes, I'll tell you what the tough part of working in Canada is. Anytime I'd have a player and he goes, it'd be a Canadian player and go, okay, uh, give me your no trades. What teams want you to go play for? And he goes, they would name every Canadian team. And he goes, simply because of taxes. Well, from a business standpoint for James Paxson Incorporated, might that be the same thing? And actually, you know, I'm probably better off financially if I don't come back north of the border. All right, coming up at 7 o'clock, we will check in with uh, uh, Member of Parliament Kevin Waugh as uh, this country got one step closer to uh, seeing the legalization of single sports wagering uh, in Canada. Uh, the second reading happened earlier this week in the House of Commons. We'll get to that coming up at the top of the moment, uh, top of the clock, and in a moment we'll crunch the numbers with a little stat me up where Chucky is making it rain for the NFL because he's breaking all the rules. We'll explain next right here. On your home of Vancouver Hockey, Sportsnet 650. Grab your calculators because it's time to stat me up on the starting lineup. Here's James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott Brown. All right, Sabalski, Solkowski, and the million-dollar man, Scott Brown, from Fifth Avenue Real Estate and Marketing with us as we crunch the numbers on stat me up on this Friday morning on Sportsnet 650. Scotty! Yes. What's rolling, man? You crunch well, You need to help count some numbers here with us. <laughs> the only thing I've been thinking about is they're sore losers. I love that you pulled that one off. But I'd also like to follow up on Monday with sore winners. Because <laughs> so, there are yeah. some people that are terrible winners. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got a co-host who's always bragging about his, his, his taking down big kills on his bets on the weekend. Well, yeah, yeah. exactly. That's me. <laughs> Um, let me begin, guys. My number today is 10. Rogers, sideline, Devontae Adams right on target. He holds it in for the catch. Wow, that was good looking. That was good looking. Uh, he's got the job done. 10 catches last night again for Devontae Adams for 150 receiving yards. 
in his team's first eight games. First guy to ever do that. He's had uh, three games with 10 catches for 150 yards in his team's first games uh, to do the first three eight game games. Uh, Devontae Adams has been unstoppable since he's got on a roll that Green Bay Packer offense. They thought that they might go out and get another receiver. Fuller was someone they were expecting possibly to, to deal with at the trade deadline. They have enough in Devontae Adams. Uh, he's worth the money. That combination is good as it gets right now in the NFL because he can sling the ball, can Aaron Rodgers, and Devontae Adams, as we saw last night, can get behind defenders. Scotty, what do you got for a number? Well, I like Perry's story about the driveway being blocked. My 5.30 in the morning story, <laughs> I was going to Starbucks, and I thought they were actually going to stick with the program and not start putting up the Christmas decorations till after Remembrance Day, and nope, they're up. So it's five days to Remembrance Day. My number's five. You know, sadly, I haven't seen a lot of poppies this year, and I'm wondering if no. that's partly due to COVID, because who's carrying cash right now in their pockets or whatever? But then I'm watching mm-hmm. the football game last night, and HSBC has done this really cool thing with the Legion, where now they've got the poppy boxes, but you can tap with your phone. So I just want to encourage people to get out. Um, if you didn't have cash in your pocket, because I've seen a lot of those poppy bins, and they're all looking pretty full this year, uh, lest we forget. Uh, from a sports note, it's five days to the anniversary of Don Cherry's firing. Uh, that's right. His TV rant was on, well, five days from now. It'll be a year ago where he was talking about people new to Canada not honoring, honoring falling soldiers. That seems a lot longer than a year ago to me. What about you guys? Uh, it, it does feel like, man. I mean, I think 2020 has made a lot of things. Exactly. We look at the, we look at the appearance of somebody on a Zoom chat. And you go, whoa, what the hell happened to you? Um, you know, how about the other the story that Whole Foods now uh, has taken the uh, they're not allowing employees to wear, you know, poppies. Not a good look, right? Um, yeah, so they're tough to great. find. You're right, Scotty. They are tough to find. You got to look. I know a couple of people that I've said, hey, can you find them anywhere around? Got to look a little bit further, and uh, yeah. They're around, exactly but I think right. a lot of us are just or, they're ordering online or you're just trying to go yeah, through quickly. Donating. And, um, they're, yeah, they're just right. not at the normal spots you would see, right? And and, yeah. ca- and, and, I, and I think people carrying cash less and less these days, too. I think those are very valid points as well. Um, my number this morning is $1.185 million. <laughs> Yeah, the Las Vegas Raiders are making it rain in the pockets of the National Football League, now racking up 1185000 in fines for breaking COVID-19 protocols. And they are also the first team to lose a draft pick over the violations. So they got fined a half a million dollars and got stripped of a sixth-round pick in next year's draft. John Gruden also got fined an additional 150000 by the NFL, for brazen and repeated violations of COVID protocols. Now, they got fined already earlier this season a quarter of a million dollars. Chucky got dinged a hundred grand earlier this year for not wearing his mask properly during a game in week two. They also got fined another 50 grand for allowing a non credentialed employee access to the locker room following that game. These guys just will not learn, and they just continue to get fined and fined, and they also lost a draft pick now. Maybe they'll smarten up at some point in time, but Chucky's lost a quarter of a million dollars, and the team's lost well over a million in fines now. You know it'd be trouble when you move the team to Las Vegas, and they're proven to be exactly that. Yep. And further evidence that the Jets aren't trying hard enough. 
because if there's ever a team that should be getting sick and trying to ruin the season, it's the Jets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you got for real estate, Scotty? Uh, let's go with uh, four. So October stats are out last week. Home sales were up again. Big surprise there. I know we're probably getting bored with that story. Uh, but, you know, because September was so hot and it was record hot, we were kind of curious would October even come close for in comparison statistically. Uh, nope, they were up 29% over the previous October, but only up slightly 1.2% in, in central Vancouver areas from September 2020. So, uh, but basically, again, way a third above the 10-year average. Uh, it was the second highest total, so it was almost back-to-back record months in central Vancouver. Now you go out to the suburban markets, the Fraser Valley, for the fourth consecutive month, all-time record-breaking month. Uh, just amazing. You know, again, and their number of sales is almost catching up with the gap on Vancouver. 40, almost 50% increase over last year's October, which had no COVID. 6.2% from their previous record month of September, so up 6.2% in October. And they're running out of product. So a singular seller's market, you know, seller's market for townhome, single family. Give you an example. Go to Langley. If you want to buy a detached house or sell one, they're only on the market for 1.4 months max. Uh, There are absolutely zero months of inventory and mission, for instance, for townhomes. Uh, So is it going to be sustained? Do we see a fifth straight month in the valley? I think November is going to be, you know, sustained. But again, I'm still expecting some seasonality to kick in. Uh, the way time flies, you know, again, I always like when people refer to it as, the, you know, the, the shortest day of the year. I think they mean the darkest day of the year. But as that comes up, I think, you know, Christmas is here. We're going to know pretty soon. December will be here before you know it. And uh, we'll know whether or not that's sustained for another month. But again, I'm still expecting some early seasonality to affect the market. Well, we wait and see. But it's been a hell of a year to kind of defy logic, right? Market crash, home sales plummet. None of it happened. No, and, you know, it just feels like I said, even with Sean Connery, everything, it feels like this, this year just seems like it feels like about five years. So uh, mm-hmm. there's a little question I'm asking our team in our management meeting today, which is, okay, how do you do in scale of one to 10 with COVID-19 fatigue? Just tired of hearing about it, dealing with it, et cetera. Yeah, I, I think I think there's a lot of people there that are just forgetting and you can't. Uh, we've had nope, quite a distraction south of the border this week, but uh, we're in a battle and we've got to be reminded of that. I drink Scotty, wine. Thank you. I drink lots of wine, guys. There's my solution. That's my coping <laughs> mechanism. That's that why protein. that guy's driving around everybody's houses because he's cashing in in 2020 because people's <laughs> bottle and can consumption. I had a right to be upset, though, didn't I, Scotty? Come on. It's quarter after five in the morning. Well, the part you didn't say is you, you have four bins. Most people have one. It's full of cans. Everything. <laughs> One's full of leaves. Yeah. Here's a question for you. What, what was he driving? Uh, he's got a nice, it looks like a, a Nissan. Range Rover. <laughs> like every time I go, he's smarter than I am, but there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so no, you had, you had fully had a point, Perry. It's yeah. too early to be messing with anybody. Have a good weekend. Yeah. Yeah. So you throw a bottle or something at the car. Get out of here. Get off my property, you meddling kids. Uh, four minutes to 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll dive in with uh, Member of Parliament Scott, uh, Kevin Waugh on the uh, possibility that Canada is that much closer to the legalization of single sports wagering. Yeah, think sports books and casinos. Imagine that going to River Rock and being able to play on a Super Bowl Sunday if and when we ever survive this pandemic. That's all ahead right here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. 
Let's get it going. It's time to get up. Rodgers going to air it out. There he is. Valdez Scantling for the touchdown. Right on cue. Rodgers just let it fly and knew he had an easy six. These guys are here to break it all down. He told the player, you know, if you ever have a daughter, I'd like you to name her Roxy. Because then she'll know why you're playing in the American Hockey League. Let's have a little fun and make you a winner. Will you shut up, man? This is the starting lineup with James Zabolski and Perry Solkowski. All right, three minutes after 7 o'clock, hour number two on this Friday morning. James Sabalski, Perry Solkowski, kicking it with you until 9 a.m. Coming up in just a few minutes, uh, we'll be talking to uh, Member of Parliament out of Saskatoon, uh, Kevin Waugh, as uh, Bill C-218 uh, experienced its second reading in the House of Commons earlier this mm-hmm. week in our nation's capital and one step closer to seeing the legalization of single sports wagering. You know, for all those years you played sports action, you got to pick all the games in order to win be looking very uh, likely in the not too distant future that you could just simply play on the one game the idea of sports books opening up in metro vancouver we've seen a number of casinos in in municipalities all across uh the region here in the lower mainland of metro vancouver imagine the idea of having sports books you know think about super bowl sunday or watching the game uh you know the big game um at one of these primary areas so we could be looking at that we'll talk to uh yeah. member of parliament kevin waugh coming up in just a couple minutes here yeah, and if people don't know if they're not into any uh, betting or gambling. You go to a lottery center at your grocery store, or your corner store. You you can bet on a Vancouver Canucks game, but it has to be along with something else. The minimum you could bet is two games. But James, you were saying earlier last night there were some odds coming out. If indeed there's a Canadian division in the NHL when they get up and running again, you know, and, and the biggest underdog in that would be the Vancouver Canucks. You were saying they were like plus 700. I'm going, if ever, are there are hockey fans who would look and go, okay, I can make a bet on whether or not my team's going to win the Canadian division. Yeah, I just, I, I, it's unbelievable to think of how many millions of dollars would probably be bet by hockey fans to go, you know what? I like that bet. I'm going to support the Toronto Maple Leafs. I like my Winnipeg Jets. They're the best team. So there are hundreds of millions of dollars that are being bet by Canadians, but they're going to offshore places uh in a time where our government is handing out money uh why not take advantage of this at this time and go let's let's just make it legal here people are doing it anyways let's bring the money money and keep the money back into our country well they they the sense is that there's billions of dollars going elsewhere overseas why not have yeah. some of this money right here in our own country if, if people are doing it anyway um speaking of which odd shark had the odds if in the event there is an all-canadian division how about this um, the Leafs are the front runners at plus 175 to win uh, the rumored All Canadian Division. You look at the odds for some of the other teams, though. The Oilers plus 250, Calgary plus 600. Like that's a pretty good bet right there for the Flames at plus 600. When you look at what they've done addressing their goaltending, still a pretty solid team all in all. The Jets plus 650. And then you've got the Canucks and the Habs both each at plus 750. Now, I don't think the Canucks are necessarily winning that all-Canadian division. It's not inconceivable, but I just don't necessarily think that they're going to be the the regular season team. But the Habs, I like how they pushed all their chips in this year. Like, that's not a bad bet to take them at plus 750 to win the All-Canadian division. I think there's a lot of people that look at the Habs right now and say, that's the best team right now built to win a Stanley Cup. 
you know, but, you take your shot with the Habs. The Senators are the one long shot at plus 2,500, but but the Habs at plus 750 with the Canucks? Man, I like those odds. I like both those odds. Yeah, it, it'll be fun to watch the Habs because are you basing all that on the fact that, you know, they had Suzuki, Kokanyemi, and they had a really strong four weeks in the bubble? Right. They they weren't going to be a playoff team. Right. They squeaked in when you go, we'll go by winning percentage and they're in. They would have been playing a game against Buffalo the next day in the regular season that might have put them in or out. Uh, but I like what they've done. They've decided that, yeah, they are ready. And Shea Weber's not getting any younger. Carey Price is still at the top of his game. And they certainly have altered their lineup more so. Um, than maybe any other team in Canada with some quality players, uh, signed guys, seem like they have a good feel there. That's when the numbers sway you, right? Like, I would agree with you. Geez, Habs, a plus 700, I'd take a shot at that. And I'd go, hey, I'll take the Canucks too, that maybe someone's going to step it up even bigger. Um, and the Leafs, where the population is, I, I don't think they should be favored, but you understand. And again, it takes us all back to why we're going to have Kevin Watt. Here, you and I are sports fans. Everybody listening here probably going, yeah, no, I, I'd put $10 to win 70 on the Vancouver Canucks to win a Canadian division. But I'm not sure the Habs are the most improved. They've done the most in the offseason. We'll just see if all the pieces fit. Well, I mean, you look at what the Habs did, bringing in Josh Anderson, Joel Edmondson, Tyler Toffoli, Jake Allen. I mean, they've they've done uh, an awful lot to kind of re, uh, to reconstruct this team and be ready to take a step forward. Uh, we'll continue that conversation uh, in just a moment. A reminder that this hour is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Buter Street in Vancouver or check them out online at DunbarLumber.com. Uh, pleased to be joined on the line this morning, uh, bright and early, um, from a member of Parliament. Uh, MP out of Saskatoon, Grasswood, Kevin Waugh, who joins us this morning. Uh, good morning, Kevin. Good morning, gents. Uh, first confession, uh, Perry Solkowski and I worked at CTV in Saskatchewan together many decades ago, so it's good to to hook up with him several uh, years later. So, Kevin, morning. I was thinking as we go to break, the first big sporting event I ever did I think I might have been 14. Was Am I correct? Was it the 1989 Canada Games in Saskatoon? Is that when it was? Yes. Yes, we had the Canada Games. And uh, back then, local TV stations did a lot of local sports. You don't see it as much anymore. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, you were there for the whole week, maybe even two weeks. And, uh, yeah, CTV Saskatchewan covered the Canada Summer Games extensively back then in 1989. Oh, I, man, I thought I was so in over my head, James. I'm going, oh, my goodness, like this is the Canada Games. This is like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, this, this is to me is the Olympics. And so I'm going through my head in the last 10 minutes, going, yeah, the Canada Games. I cannot remember one story about anything I did sports-wise, but we ripped it up at the Empress Hotel and we had this after party. <laughs> which, that's all I can remember. And someone was dating Mike Madano and has nothing to do with sports. Just like, oh, wait, I just... So how the heck I'm still doing this, I don't know. But it is good to good to hear from you again, Kevin. Uh, tell us what the process was this week with another reading. How close are we getting to single-game sports betting here in our country? Well, we're getting a little closer. Um, I had first reading of Bill C-218, single-game betting, to uh, lift the restrictions in Canada. I had that uh, late February, early March, and then Tuesday was the second reading. It's important on the second reading. I gave a 15-minute speech and five minutes question and answers. But the second reading, 
is important because it tells you the lay of the land. The Bloc supports the bill. The NDP supports the bill. Most of the Conservatives support this bill. And then the Liberals, 157, they control the House of Commons, even though it's a minority government. But I had Bob Bertina give a speech for 10 minutes on behalf of the Liberals. Bob, of course, uh, well-known in the CFL circles, former voice of the Hamilton Ticats, Toronto Argonauts. Uh, He didn't shoot down my bill, uh, which was good. So it looks like it will be an open vote on the Liberal side, and I probably need 20 to 25 of them to agree to this bill. Um, So the next procedure, James and Perry, will be February 2nd, will be the final uh, one-hour debate. I call it a conversation, but House of Commons say debate. And then the next day, I think February 3rd, will be when we vote in the House of Commons to send the bill to the Justice Committee if it passes for further study. Uh, Member of Parliament for uh, Saskatoon Grasswood, Kevin Waugh, is with us here on Sportsnet 650 discussing Bill C-218 and the possibility uh, we could be seeing the legalization of single sports wagering. You know, Kevin, I I go back about, what, eight, nine years ago now, and there was a similar bill introduced into the House of Commons um, by late MP Jokel Martin, and he had uh, brought it forward and the, the thought was this could be the opportunity to build some sports books by some of the border towns. Uh, you know, you look at Windsor, you look at, I mean, even here in Metro Vancouver, um, yeah. and, and to help Niagara Falls and some of these uh, these areas with some of the jobs within the casinos. And it, and it went through and it passed. It, it got through the House of Commons, and then it died in the Senate at a time that, you know, the Senate was basically on fire with all the controversy and scandals with Mike Duffy and Patrick Brasso and Pamela Wallen and uh, and the list goes on and on and on. And it just eventually died. Why is there an appetite, do you think, this time around here in 2020 or, dare I say, 2021 when the next uh, conversation is to be had? Yeah, okay. So back when uh, Joe brought that bill out, uh, it was the Blue Jays, actually, uh, Paul Beeston, uh, that really damaged the bill back then in the, Sam- in the Senate. Major League Baseball and professional leagues were not in favor of single-game betting uh, to be lifted in Canada. And Paul was very derogatory to the bill. It then came forward again in 2018. The Liberals had a majority, and they shot down Brian Massey's bill in 2018. So this is the third and hopefully... Uh, The final strike, Uh, I'm the closer of this bill, if you don't mind me saying. I think it all changed in 2018 when the United States Supreme Court lifted the ban on single-game betting. As you all know, you could only do it in Las Vegas legally, but in 2018, New Jersey State challenged that, won it, and now we have over 20 states in the United States today that are taking bets on single-game betting, and many, many more with the legislation in their legislatures. So a total of 48, I think, in the next two years will look at lifting restrictions of single-game betting. And like you said, um, you know, the border cities are really going to get affected here. Uh, Niagara Falls, Vancouver, Windsor, so on. But it's still up to the provincial lottery corporations to regulate this. So John Horgan and the B.C. government will, if I can get this passed through the House of Commons, the Senate, and get royal assent, they still will control this. It will be up to the provincial governments to regulate 
single-game betting. So what I've seen, and I've looked at the numbers in VC, you know, Sports Select and ProLine with the parlays, um, they're doing about $90 million a year, but it, it's falling off. We're only betting $500 million in Canada today through the parlays. And illegal sites like Bodog and Bet365 and so on, along with the black market, are doing $14 billion, billion dollars underneath. So in in Canada, Kevin. Yep. Sorry, Kevin. That that's that's fourteen billion dollars being gambled within amongst Canadians. Yes, illegally now, right? Because mm-hmm. even though you may hold a Bodog or Bet three sixty five account, it's offshore, and you're doing it, and Canadians get none of that money, or if you're doing the black market. So yeah, it's fourteen billion dollars. Now I'm suggesting we're not going to get all fourteen billion of that. Uh, if this bill passes, but the provincial governments will regulate this, including the BC lotteries. And then they, I'm suggesting take a lot of that money and put it into gambling problems, put it into mental health. Or yes. today, you know, mm-hmm. the black market is doing none of that. You know, Bodog and 365 and Betway and, and all these offshore companies, they don't care about the gambler. All they want is the money. But with provincial governments, and they've been regulating gaming for the last 30-plus years. Exactly. And I think they're the sole proprietor that will be the beneficiary of this bill to go forward. And I want some of this money that they're going to make because, let's face it, all governments are in trouble with COVID-19 and their budgets. But I think they've got to take some of this money and put it in the gambling problem. Kevin, it, it sounds simple. I, I am one. I know my nephew is, is on, you know, a little app and he does it. I used to walk to the corner store and buy a ticket, but you go, it's it's easier now. Um, you said Paul Beeston was against it. I could understand it when the sports clubs don't want, but the NBA in the last week alone has said, we're going to have to look at even more things to generate revenue because we don't have fans. Where do you think the opposition will come from right now? Well, it will not come from the professional leagues. I got a letter from all five, Major League Soccer, Major League Baseball, the NBA, the CFL, and the National Hockey League in June. All five commissioners wrote a letter saying we need Bill C-218 to pass in the country of Canada. That is the first time ever we've gotten that. So, yes, uh, we know with the shutdowns and we could only play in Edmonton and Toronto in the NHL this year, and the CFL never played at all, I think this is a revenue opportunity also for professional teams, for advertising on boards, on ice, for football jerseys, whatever the case, uh, soccer, white cap jerseys. We're seeing it now in the United States. When I watched the World Series, you know, it was MGM bet on the outfield behind Mookie Betts. And this is, we got to open it up, I think, in Canada. And by doing so, uh, not only the professional teams would get the advantage, but I think, let's face it, the pro line and sports select has run its course in this country. It's hard enough to predict one game, uh, never mind three. So I think there is a huge appetite in this country for this bill. I think it's the most talked about bill, to be honest with you, in this country right now. And, you know, Sportsnet very interested. Uh, viewership in professional sports on TV, as we all know, is lagged 
uh, with COVID, this would give them the opportunity, I think, to get viewers back and interested once again in the game that uh, they're televising, especially hockey right now. No, I, I think uh, there, there's a lot of logic to try to connect the dots on that. We're talking to Kevin Waugh, Member of Parliament for Saskatoon Grasswood here on Sportsnet 650. And, you know, it, it is funny the about face, you know, eight years later, Kevin, with pro sports teams. And obviously the landmark decision south of the border going back in 2018. But, you know, I think it was Adam Silver who came out and said, look, we need to we need to legalize this. The commissioner of the NBA, we need to legalize this and we want to get our cut. And I think that's probably something that the NHL and Major League Baseball and the NFL are all kind of looking at now going, all right, how do we get paid if everybody's betting on our product? And I think all these teams and leagues are trying to figure out, like, how does that ultimately going to work? Because you got me, like, I'm in. Like, we need to find ways to to better support our infrastructure with transit going forward. I think with mental health is so important. You know, we got to figure out how to pay for CERB as well here somewhere at some point before we leave it all to our kids. But um, how does how do teams fit in here with the actual product that we're betting on? And if indeed it is legalized. Yeah, you know, um, Major League Baseball in particular always gave their staff packages to Vegas. And that's where they get the odds. And I, I would think it's the same for the NFL and other professional leagues. And you're right. Both of you are right. The professional leagues, when this was being talked about, they wanted to cut of this. They wanted up to 10%. Then they got down to 5%. Now they're not talking zero cut of this, which is good. Because, uh, you know, Major League uh, Sports, as we know it, uh, if it was pre-COVID, most of them were doing okay other than the cfl but i think and especially here with the bc lions up in the air now with david braley's passing we there's a major concern here with the canadian football league they were the only professional team in a league in north america that didn't play in 2020 and how it looks going forward nobody knows so by them saying we agree with this we want it regulated I think they're tired of all the talk uh, of it being unregulated. So now it's being regulated in the United States. If we can get it regulated here in Canada and have it up front, that is the conversation that we need to have in this country with this bill. Um, You know, I I talked about the Senate eight years ago uh, with Paul Beeston. You know, even if it passes in the House of Commons and we go to committee and, and get it passed over the Senate, I'm asking sport fans in this country to put pressure on liberal MPs and senators. It's about time Canada gets with it. If we don't pass this bill, the $14 billion that is going to the underground economy today in 2020 will double within the next three years. Whether you like gambling or not, it's happening. We might as well take the beneficiaries of it and put it back into mental health and addictions and the only way we're going to do with this, uh, to do it, is to pass 218 and let the federal government make that one change to allow single event games to be bet, regulated by the provinces in this country. Kevin, it makes perfect sense. Uh, nice to hear from you again. Uh, some fun times going back when. I uh, appreciate yeah, what thanks, you're doing. Terry. We certainly give you our support here and uh, stay healthy. Well, uh, anything you guys can do to get pressure on the MPs and the senators in BC would be much appreciated. It really would be. We're talking about it now, and I think that's got to be another step forward here, uh, hopefully, on our part. Uh, Thanks, Kevin. Okay, thanks, guys.
Thank you. There he is, uh, Member of Parliament uh, Kevin Waugh on the uh, possibility. We uh, The next conversation in the House Commons, uh, February 2nd, and in 2021, we could be looking at the possible legalization of single sports wagering. I can get down with that, you know? Well, sure. We can start having some Canadian apps here. Right? And, yeah. You know, I think all the broadcasters are on board pair. Um, you know, there was a, a story just the other day from the score and obviously a lot of people use the, uh, the score mobile app, um, with that going forward as well. And they're, they're all in and they'd love to see it, uh, happen as well. Um, we'll continue this conversation in a moment, but Hey, we've got waiting patiently, uh, the, Sorry, the Sonia. authoritative voice of news 1130, Sonia Aslam, uh, managing editor. How's it going? Morning boys. It's going Okay. It's has Friday. anybody gone nuclear? Has anybody gone nuclear yet this morning? And uh, contesting an election result? Uh, you mean Donald Trump, who's been doing it since Tuesday? Yeah, yeah. that's that's a thing. Uh, no, still no results. We're just waiting. It's 2020. It's the year where people vote in elections, and we don't get results. Um, so no, we're going to keep waiting. Um, Joe Biden has pulled ahead in Pennsylvania, which is huge. All he needs is one state. That's all we're waiting for. It's just one state. We need one state to come back, and then that's it. It'll be done. And then Donald Trump can do whatever he wants in the courts. Uh, yeah, and boy, if he steps up to a microphone again today, that'll be interesting like yesterday. Hey, uh, our station is right by Whole Foods around the corner. What's the yeah. controversy going on there, Sonia? So Whole Foods has told its employees that it, they can't wear poppies. And now is currently poppy season. We are just a few days away from Remembrance Day. This is a normal thing. You see everyone wear it. You see any sort of, you know, retailer wear it or have their employees wear it. They said no because it changes the uniform. And they just sent us a statement just a short uh, while ago, just a few minutes ago, sort of doubling down on their stance that, no, we understand that there's, you know, people want to see others wear poppies, but we're not going to do that. We're not letting our employees do it. And we have employees who have taken to social media to say, boycott it. If you don't, if they're not going to do this, then don't go to Whole Foods. Because what a, you know, what an odd and silly stance. And though the the defense from Whole Foods is, well, we give money to the Legion and we will uh, take a moment to remember those who served and then that's it. But you can't wear a poppy. So. Yeah. It's kind of ridi- it's kind of ridiculous, it and this is. is going back like from a few months now when they kind of changed their policy uh, for I think there were employees wearing Black Lives Matters uh, yeah. here, and they kind of that or they kind of shut them down on that, and then kind of doubled down here with the poppy. Sonia Asim with us here from News Eleven Thirty. Are we? Is there a chance we could also find out the election results here in British Columbia that we still have been waiting for for weeks? Yeah. So on Sunday night, hopefully by Sunday night, we'll get those results. Uh, the voting, uh, sorry, the counting for all the mail-in ballots starts today. That goes all day today, all day tomorrow, all day Sunday. And then hopefully by Sunday night, we'll know for sure the final tally. We all know that NDP's won. We know NDP's going to have a majority. We just don't know exactly the final numbers. So this weekend, if not by Monday morning, we'll have final results. It's taken Are a while. there any ridings where there's something that's really close that could be changed? Yeah, Chilliwack, Kent, uh, there's a difference of about 100 and some odd votes. Wow. And the incumbent is uh, Laurie Thronis, who resigned a week before the vote because he made some very, ooh, uh, let's yes. say, controversial comments about birth control. And so he resigned, but his riding is incredibly tight. So he is sitting as an independent but the thing with him is that because he resigned so late in the election, all the ballots had already gone out and some had already come back. So people who thought they were maybe voting for the liberals actually ended up voting for him and he's sitting as an independent. So that's going to be an interesting riding to watch. Timing. For sure. 
Timing, Timing man. Timing. Aslam, uh, hey, Aslam, we're just up against the clock here, but we're yep. talking about sports' biggest sore loser uh, on the uh, heels Brad of somebody's, Thanks, uh, <laughs> somebody's speech. Well, okay, oh, I was going to yeah. say, uh, let me <laughs> let me throw this at you, to kind of based with a little Brad Marchand influence. Yeah. Canucks fans are on a lot of people's lists because of the riots, not only in oh. 2011, but also 94. Fair or foul, Canucks fans, sports sore losers? Foul. Well, okay. <laughs> okay, I'll I'll say foul, but with a caveat that I I've seen Canucks Twitter. People are insane. Um, <laughs> I'll just say that. Um, but you know, I think the riots, like win or lose in 2011, I think we all knew that something was going to go down that night. Mm-hmm. I was covering that night, so I was working that night rather. So we knew even if the Canucks won five nothing, there was going to be you know drama. Poop. Yeah. And if they lost, it was going to be probably worse. And it was that. So, no, I don't think we're sore losers at all. I don't yeah. think we are. Uh, to, to me, when I, when I think sore loser, it's like you don't want to shake hands. You're, you know, a complete jerk. I'm using a really nice word just because it's morning radio. But I think of, you know, Brad Marchand and, you know, scoring and kissing his ring finger. And then, you know, like that kind of crap. I just I just hate that guy. I'm sorry. I just, <laughs> he's the first guy I think of. Sonia Vince. <laughs> he is the first guy I think of because watching him cry when the Bruins lost the cup was so amazing. That was such nice closure. And um, no, I just I don't think Canucks fans are sore losers at all. And you know what? We've lost for years. I don't see a I don't see a Stanley Cup championship in this city. I've been a fan since I was like four. I'm tired. I want to win, but I'm not a sore loser. I stay on the wagon. I'm not one of those flaky fans that just jumps off whenever it's convenient. Yeah, that's Asl- right. I said it. Aslan, you're getting uh, you're getting some love on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650, 650 uh, Somebody texting in. We resent that. Signed Canucks Twitter. So there you go. Um, thank you for this. Have a great weekend, and uh, Thanks, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see if we can get any sort of election result. Maybe one from Guam on Monday. Yeah, okay? I can't wait. Take care. If we Thanks, get guys. that Brad Marchant interview, we want you to join us. Oh, for sure, I will be here. <laughs> Thanks, boys. See ya. There she is, Sonia Aslan from the uh, News 1130 Newsroom uh, with the latest this morning. Uh, uh, in the world as uh, Biden has now gone ahead in both Georgia and Pennsylvania. Okay, 729 here on this Friday morning. Biggest sore losers in sports. We'll take some of your texts and submissions. Lots of them coming in this morning and much, much more. All still ahead here on your home of the Canucks Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 7.33 on this Friday morning. He's Perry. I'm James. Taking you into the weekend. You got a very angry president that is essentially being set to show him the door. Uh, he'll fight and kick and scream, possibly, looking like a sore loser. And that's what we're kind of asking you this morning. On our Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 and at Sportsnet650 on Twitter. Who's the biggest sore loser in sports? How about this one, Pear? How about this submission here? A couple of good ones. Michael Johnson. Remember the race? Oh, the 150-meter race with Donovan Bailey and he pulled up lame? Yeah. Remember that one? Very, very good. Yeah, that was that was he. And, and didn't Donovan just call him chicken? He's not hurt. He's just chicken. He called him a chicken. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. See, now I think the Houston Astros, the, the Houston Astros should be sore losers, yet they won. Can that fit in the category? 
right? Because the way they had, I, I guess that's just a terrible winner. I mean, they cheated, but, you know, they were kind of complaining. And, and you know, even when they had some run in the playoffs, what do you got to say now? Um, I, I just wonder if, if they get in here. Was this Shania Twain sent to us, or is that a mistake? Ian and Langley. Shania Twain has to be on that list. Is Shania Twain a show? Did I miss something there? A sore loser? Mm. Yeah. Nothing comes to mind on that one. Um, the Detroit Pistons getting a lot of love on this list as well. Jake and Port Moody um, says uh, the Pistons, as seen in the last dance, individual sore loser, or how about sore winner, Richard Sherman, when they beat the 49ers and he chirped Crabtree. I love that moment, though. Selfishly, just Crabtree. Um, Jake One of the best Moody. post-game interviews. And, and Sonia Aslam getting all sorts of love as well this morning here uh, at 650-650. So Sonia has been fantastic this week. That's a strong yeah. addition to have. The, and she, she gets angry. Like we, you know, you, the seven day <laughs> delay, the seven second delay could be there. You get her going about Marchant and the Bruins and she just can't handle it. But uh, she's getting a lot of love. Patrick Reed, uh, a suggestion coming in the Dunbar text line. Um, when he would not even look at Tiger Woods, when he had to give him the green jacket, didn't say a word, walked away during the presentation. I would say, uh, yeah, Patrick Reed is a sore loser. He's a cheater. You love him because he's a villain. But I don't know if there's a lot of Patrick Reed fans other than his wife. Not even Ah, uh, see, again, villains, right? Villains. Yeah. Kanye West getting some consideration on the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650, oh, oh, my yeah. God. And if we can find that, like, when he got up in the middle of, like, and, like, young Taylor Swift, like, when she was just a kid and he gets up there. And Kanye had a legitimate point, right? Like, Single Ladies was an intergalactic hit. And he got mm-hmm. up and he's like, Beyonce had, like, the greatest album of all time. <laughs> Just totally. But what a jerk. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm, I'm glad Taylor Swift has had an incredible career. Kanye's just like, I don't know, where's he in the ballot here? I bet you there was a few Conway West ballots in the presidential election. Probably took some away. But you're right. That's just a jerk. And you're right. She's a teenager up there having the moment. And he just steals it. Like, I don't know what the bank accounts look like. I'm sure Kanye's still winning. But, here it is, uh, Parrot. We've yeah. got it. Greg Ballack's got, dug it up for us. Here, here's, here's how oh, it is. Okay. Yo, Taylor. I, I'm really happy for you. I'm going to let you finish. But Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time. One of the best videos of all time. <laughs> that was awful. You know what I'm trying to think It was awesome, though, too. Like, yeah, okay, he's a sore loser, but, I mean, it wasn't Beyonce who got up. I mean, he kind of advocated for her, so Hart was in the right place. You think about if ever there is, and please text us in on the Dumber Lumber uh, text line at 650-650, but I can't think of James off top of mind. Um, You know, the, the one sport where you could have a sore loser is one that is judged after 12 rounds, go back 15 rounds, and going that, you know, that guy got completely ripped off. He won the fight. It doesn't come to mind a boxer who was a sore loser. Maybe because they always get a rematch, but can you think of anything off the top of your head that goes, yeah, no, sore loser? No, I don't think Deont- so. You know what? Uh, here's a submission. Deontay Wilder, right? Like, Deontay Wilder, when he wore that, like, 500-pound armor to the ring and ran yes. out of gas and got his ass knocked out, which, you know what, that fight that, that fight was earlier this year. That Like, that feels like, like that was 10 ago. years ago, right? And and you know he kind he kind of griped about it. How about Mike Tyson biting Evander Holyfield's ear? There's a sore ass loser right there, isn't uh, it? That's more strategy. 
<laughs> Look out, yeah. Roy Jones. Yeah. Uh, Head Billy fake, Smith, bite! Said, Billy Smith, what was our Billy Smith conversation that we uh, just had? Someone say, what were we talking about? As Billy a sore Smith? loser? Oh, that was with well, Ken I mean, Reed. Going the crease, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Billy Smith, you know, pulling out, pulling out a piece of mahogany or a piece of oak and just chop you, right, if you came too low, too close. Out. I mean, Ron Hex, what about Ron Hextall, sore loser? Remember when the when the Habs were on the, on the cusp of bouncing the uh, – of bouncing the Flyers the one year in the postseason, and, and Hextall came out. Was it Chelios he went after that particular year and took him down? Yes. Yeah. You know, went yeah, totally Hext- after him on that one. Um, yeah. Leah Anderson, obviously, a lot of suggestions, tossing his gold medal at the World – or his silver medal at the World Juniors into the stands. So uh, does John McEnroe get consideration for this? Yeah, Nick Karios is another guy who has him. I think so. Uh, I think John Macron didn't like to lose. He was going to blame it on someone other than the fact that he's getting beaten. It's tough for it's tough for elite athletes to say to lose graciously. I mean, when Sonia was talking about Brad Marchant, that's that's part of it, right? It's just all right. We're not getting. Uh, you know, I don't like that guy. He hates to lose. I don't know. I don't see. Are you a sore loser if you brag about your winning? The famous Patrick Waugh clip. I couldn't hear Jeremy Roenick. I had two Stanley Cups in my ring. Like, does that mean he's a sore loser? Or is this, he just goes, hey, when you've won it, I'm going to I'm gonna put it in your face. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, nobody likes a show off, they say, right? Um, how, did you see how, about the Jose, how about Jose Mourinho? Yeah. You could go there walking away. Oh, a great submission on this one, pair. We missed uh, that one. Are you the, are you seeing the last one that came in? Yes. This is the start of it all. The Balak, see if you can Balak, see if you can find the audio for our last one before we say it. Because honestly, this is part of Canadian sports history. Uh sign your text who sent that one in. But James, that's that's maybe the first one where you go, yeah, that would be a sore loser. They don't want to play anymore, right? Maybe Bob Cole's definitive call. Right, as yeah. much as as much as we love the Salt Lake call from 2002, um, you know, but you know, look, the Russians, you know, they're going home. They're going home. I won't do it justice properly, pair, but I mean, you go back to that 1970s matchup, Dale Turgeon on Pierre Turgeon, uh, Dale Hunter on Pierre Turgeon. You go back to that one. That's from the Soul. Oh, so cheap. Hundred percent. We were talking about so it's cheap. funny. We brought this up before we turned on our microphones this morning. Like that was huge. If if people don't remember for a younger generation, I won't be able to remember the year. But Turgeon scores a goal. It is what are we going to say? Five seconds maybe after he has scored, oh, he's just coasting up late. the board. Yeah, arms up, and Dale Hunter comes and hits him and put him out of the series. Did he not? Separated his shoulder. Yeah, uh, yeah, and t- t- took him out and just dirty, dirty, dirty. And saying that, I would have taken Dale Hunter on my team all day, any day, and I always thought that the the Nordiques were never the same once they once they moved him. But uh, uh, honestly, absolutely awful. Cam Newton, Super Bowl Fifty, you know the sulking and the pouting. Yeah, yeah. There's another classic, Roberto Duran. What's he known for? No mas. No mas. Are you a sore loser if you quit? Like if you're getting yeah, your ass kicked? I mean, Sonny Liston, Sonny Liston, right? Same thing. Yeah. See, I don't think as Duran is a sore loser. 
Um, I and I would I think you would want to um, be almost considered a sore loser rather than a quitter. You know, after the Dallas Cowboys game the other day, I think Rodney Harrison on the, after the game said, "You know what? The Cowboys quit." And that's the one thing. Didn't Travis Green, and I may get this wrong because I think 2020 has lasted about 45 years already. <laughs> Was it the past season or earlier where Travis Green used the term soft? Then he went back on that the next day and goes, yeah, no, that, that didn't mean soft. Man, anytime you're a pro athlete and you're labeled a quitter, I think it hurts more than a sore loser. But I think Duran's a quitter, not a sore loser. Yeah, just more, just more a quitter in that one. Yeah, no, I would agree. Uh, Carl also texting in six fifty six fifty, pointing out, um, you know, LeBron didn't shake hands after losing to Detroit uh, or to Orlando, and then Sidney Crosby didn't shake hands after losing to the Red Wings, going back in the uh, Cup, uh, what, twelve years ago now. Uh, you know, there, there's some, there's some guys who are, you know. The, the greatest ever in the sports for both of those guys and have that reputation amongst some of their peers as being sore losers. Some great submissions coming in. Keep them in uh, here at 650-650 on the Dunbar Lumber text line. A reminder that this hour is a presentation of Dunbar Lumber, the smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Buter Street in Vancouver or online at DunbarLumber.com. Pair, we've been talking a lot of sore losers, but when we come back, there's no BS this time around, is there? Nothing but PS, man. And if you're a pro athlete and you want to ruin your relationship with your team, we'll tell you how an emoji can get it done. No BS. Just PS here. It's Friday, everybody. You got it locked into Sportsnet 650. This is the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. All right, 11 minutes to uh, 8 o'clock. Sabolski here. Perry Solkowski right there. The initials are PS. We decided in the world today there's been a lot of BS, so we call this little segment What's Going On in the World of Sports? No BS, just PS, everybody. Let's get it going, Mr. Ballack. If you didn't know, uh, boy, the Las Vegas Raiders, and you party and you live in Las Vegas, it's going to cost you upwards of $650,000 in draft picks. They are spending some coin. $150,000 for Chucky because he's not wearing a mask. 50000 for having an unauthorized personnel in the locker room after the game. 165 k for maskless players at a fundraiser. Just keeps on going, James. I mean, it's nice to be a rebel, but it's being costly if you're a Las Vegas Raider right now. Over a million dollars in fines and losing a draft pick. Like, you didn't get the message the first time when you got handed down a fine. I, I just, you know, and here's the other thing. Your head coach said he had COVID. Mm-hmm. Don't listen. Starts from the top, man. Attitude reflects leadership. You like to yes. say Yes. Big fan of that. P.S. Aunt Becky is struggling in the big house. Any words for Uncle Jesse? <laughs> Darling, I just hope you're all right. But if you are all right, I'll kill you. <laughs> 
I hope Lori Lachlan is all right, but she has started to serve her time. Aunt Becky from the show Full House has been in there. Friends saying, you know, she went in with a brave face this week to serve her time. Hopes to get out before Christmas time, but they say, you know, she's very fearful in there. I have to say, over the last year, I have used this joke on most everything I have emceed. Coming to the podium and saying, yes, I work early in the morning doing radio with James Cebulski. And you may wonder, it might be tough. I'm tired here. It's late at night. But I'm working all I can because our daughter has told us she is going to UCLA. My wife and I aren't worried. I know we can get her there and we'll pay for residence. But I've got to find $100,000 for someone to write her test. (laughs) Have mercy, as Uncle Jesse would say. Uh, P.S. Politics and sports may not be what people want to hear, but boy, you can use sports analogies to explain a lot of things with the U.S. election. If you don't like who's in there, vote them out. That's what election day is all about. The biggest gun we've got is called the ballot box. So if you don't like who's in there, vote them out. Great cut. Uh, Senate-elect Tommy Tuberville. So he went to the sports analogy yesterday. He's a Republican. Explaining what's going on right now to everyone. He said, the election results are out of control. It's like the whistle has blown. The game is over. The players have gone home. But the referees are suddenly adding touchdowns to the other team's side of the scoreboard. Of course, we have to throw the flag. Man, that's a little out of touch. (laughs) A little. P.S. If you're a pro athlete and you take a shot at the front office you work for, likely going to cost you. That's the case for the Atlanta Falcons, one of their players, who used emojis in a tweet. Send in the clown. Jack McKinley just emojied a picture of clowns when he was referring to the front office of the Atlanta Falcons. He requested a trade at the trade deadline last year. Apparently, they were offered a second-round pick for him, and the Falcons said, no, we don't want to move him. So what did he do early this week? I don't want to play here. Move me. Apparently, as it goes according to him, they were offered a fifth or sixth-round pick for him, and they said, no, we want to keep him here. He said 17 and a half sacks over the last two years. He just said, I want to move. I don't want to play here. They've had good options. Guys in the front office are strictly clowns. He will be fined by the team. Emoji speak words. John Gruden saying here, welcome to my club. Yeah, Come play for us. You don't need a mask. There you go. No BS, just a bunch of PS this morning. Uh, we mentioned it uh, a few minutes ago, Pear. We should uh, we should share it with our uh, listeners, but uh, we talk about sore losers in sports. Uh, here's Bob Cole, 1976. They're going home! They are leaving the ice. They're going to go. The Soviets they... are leaving. They're going home. They're going home. Yeah, they're going home. Bob Cole, Dick Irvin. Man, what a fun one-two punch that was. And a, and a great call. You know, when we were dealing with baseball and the great calls, you know, you always think of, uh, of Vince Scully and, and the great call with the Dodgers and Kirk Gibson. Ah, he's, he always had the words. Bob had it there too, right? Very simple. They're going home. They were going home. Someone else texting, and this has been a great topic. And keep it coming in on the Dunbar uh, Lumber text line where we're talking about sore losers. Someone said Tanya Harding. Oh, like, you know what? 
You know what I dug they up haven't the lost other day? yet, but... Perry, you know what's funny about that? I Just earlier this week, I pulled out... Uh, I, I've got a box of old uh, magazines and, and programs... Um, from over the years, and um, I've got some old SIs from when I when I subscribed, and and the first first issue I got when I started subscribing was January of '92, and Muhammad Ali had just turned 50, and I, I I just opened this up the other day, so Ali in '92 had just turned 50, and it was this great cover in the Champ with with this birthday cake, and there was a huge article on the back about Tanya Harding. And how you know she's kind of one of the eye, you know, one of the athletes to keep an eye on going into, you know, going into the Olympics, and how she's got back with her boyfriend Jeff Galuli, and just like, man, like to see how this story's written two years earlier to, like, the greatest yeah. gong show in sports history, or at least one of them, anyway. Spectacular. Yeah, yeah. great to get a, an issue like that to read it, and then go, here's what happened. And then the and then the laces, right? The the broken laces during the Olympics to, to just top it all off. That was yeah, that you know the start of reality TV, right? Oh Hobo Hall, wasn't that what's called Hobo Arena in Detroit? Co- uh, Cobo Hall. Cobo Hall. Hobo yeah. Hall. Cobo Hall. Close. Yeah. Keep yeah, them coming um, in. Hey, we go. uh, we'll get into the football side of things. The uh, Cincinnati Bengals, they got a win. Uh, we had last talked to Christian Covington, of course, Vancouver Rays plays for the Bengals, James. We had a great conversation about Black Lives Matter protesting. Um, this is good timing, considering what's going on south of the border in the last couple of hours. Look forward to that conversation on the other side. Christian Covington, Cincinnati Bengals, some NFL talk. That's all ahead. Perry James, starting lineup on a Friday morning. We made it, everybody. Sportsnet 650. Spicing up your morning drive with the Canuck Commute. Pavel Bury has just scored his first NHL goal, and it's 4-1 as Bury scores from the right side. This is the starting lineup with James Sabalski and Perry Solkowski. It's your Canucks commute here on this uh, Friday, November the 6th. Uh, sunny skies out there, a little breezy by the water, but uh, we'll be looking at a high of about 10 degrees, and it looks like we'll carry that sunny uh, sky theme uh, through the weekend. We'll take that. James Sabalski, Perry Silkowski with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Christian Covington from the Cincinnati Bengals will drop on by in just a few minutes from now, but this is your Canucks commute, and uh, we've been talking a lot about sore losers this morning as well. We'll get to that uh, in sports. Uh, coming up with some great submissions here uh, we'll get to coming up in just a few minutes. But, Parrot, there's been a lot of conversation over the last few weeks with respect to Vasily Podkolzin um, and, and to where he's at with his game. Like, he's 19 right now. He's been playing in the KHL, and, and then he gets sent down, and, you know, he's not playing. And I feel like, you know, when we're so far away and so far removed from the situation, I think there's sometimes this doom and gloom in this market going, well, what's going on? Why is he not playing? Is he going to be okay? Is he not going to be okay? You know, now he's going to be set to be one of the one of the leaders um, at the World Juniors for the Russian team. And I think it's also what the expectation is of this guy. Like, I, you know, some people look and they go, okay, is this guy going to be the 30-40 goal scorer or is, is he a playmaker? You know, where's the offense? Where Where's all the offensive production? And I think, like, we sometimes lose sight of the fact that, you know, this guy's 19 years old. Well, we lose sight of that because of the last three rookies who have put on a Canucks uniform. 
I mean, it, it's as simple as that. And, you know, you go back to the 1960s of the last time the New York Rangers had rookies who had showed up as being finalists for the Calder. And we've just had it here. So you've waited, what, 50 years since that's happened? It shows you how good Besser, how good Pedersen, how good Hughes has been. And there are people out there that go, okay, Pod Colson. I mean, when he's done in the KHL, he can jump in and maybe there's a top six. I don't think that's real, but the kid's good. And when they took him, they knew it would take a while for him to get here. And he may be something. I think as long as someone's on your team, that success, uh, we obviously can have that argument with Jake for 10 and that he's been a failure where he is, but he's still here, still could be a top six. Pod Colson and even Hoglander expectations are now at a different level because of Pedersen, Hughes, and Besser and what rookies have done to this team over the last three or four years. Well, and that's and and that's where you, you sit there and you, you wonder. You know, I, I also wonder this. Like Pod Colson, there's there's an exit point for Pod Colson in Russia, right? Like when this contract's up, in all in all likelihood, he's going to come here. You know, so where's the the importance from a Russian standpoint? Is it all about developing a young guy? If you've got him, like he's on a on a team that's in a position to contend and compete to win a title in the KHL. Reach deep uh, with uh, Dan Riccio and Randy Janda spoke yesterday with Steve Cornianos from DraftAnalyst.com, and here's what he had to say on Vasily Podkolzin and the perceived lack of production from his part. And I'll tell you what, Steve, still a big fan of the Canucks' first-round pick from 2019. I can't stress it enough. You cannot use KHL stats as really a barometer because I look at Denis Gurionov. Yeah, he was a first-round pick at Dallas in 2015, and people wrote this kid off. They said he was a bust. He couldn't produce in the KHL. How could they pick him over, you know, Besser? And, so, and that kid put on an absolute show this past postseason, everyone's like, where'd this kid come from? Well, it was the first round pick. You just have to be patient with him. Uh, and so I think that's the case with Pud Colson. I don't think it's going to take him five years to make an impact in the NHL level. But, uh, I mean, he's more of a pass-first winger, right? He's not like a sniper. He's not a goal scorer. He's a, like a jack-of-all-trades. But he's really good at a lot of those things. He's good at the penalty kill. He's good, on, he's good in the power play. He sets up along the half wall. He could distribute. He could shoot. Uh, but, again, I, I think that we got to get this kid to North America, let him play against, you know, North American-style teams and their strategies. Because let's be honest, if he was in the junior leagues, right, he's just too good for the junior leagues. He cannot play against his age group because he's too good. So if he was, let's say, in the, in the Quebec League and he was putting up 80 points in 30 games, which I think he could do, by the way, uh, I don't think anyone would really be, you know, sharpshooting his, his shooting abilities or his skating or whatever new thing people like to complain about when they get tired of, uh, their prospects not producing. So, uh, I, like I said, I've been a pro Pud Colson guy for, for the last couple of years. So I just say you got to keep being patient with him. Well, there, there's a decent comparable, right, from Denis Gurianov, who we saw. Like, mm-hmm. how good was he for the Dallas Stars just a couple of months ago in the Stanley Cup playoffs? Well, and a lot of people going, who is he? And those in the Stars organization saying, hey, I told you so. I mean, Daryl Ray, their, their color analyst is on. He goes, man, I knew this kid was good. He could play. Uh, you know, you, you look at Pod Colson. We will judge him a lot on the World Juniors, but I will say that when Quinn Hughes played his past, past World Juniors, his last one that was here in Vancouver, I thought he was average. You needed him to play with guys who think the game at his level, and you can even see sometimes he's beyond that. Um, but we would expect Pod Colson to be dominating. He was very good last year, should be better this year. And then I think it's a good thing. Yeah, you'd like to see him get more ice time in the KHL, but he's playing against men. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, the KHL is good hockey, so I don't know if the adjustment will be that tough when he gets here to North America. Yeah, no, no question about that. And so we kind of wait and see, but it's, it's that sort of tweener stage right now. Is he in a position to dominate in the KHL? No, but you know, I think the point that Steve makes that he's too good for junior. Um, he's playing with men, you know, and the other thing is you're out there practicing with men all the time too, right? Like there's, there's that opportunity. You raised that point about Quinn Hughes and his final year at Michigan. You know, you talk to people around that program that tell you that Quinn Hughes didn't have a very good season. Like the numbers will tell you, yeah, I know he was solid point of game player, you know, in the world juniors and all that, but it was a bit of a down year, whether he had mentally checked out after being drafted or his heart was ready to go to the national hockey league, whatever the case but I don't think Michigan saw the best version of Quinn Hughes uh, that final year in Michigan. Now, I think he exceeded expectations his rookie season. He was ready to go when he got to the Vancouver Canucks last season. But I don't think it was a banner final year at university for Quinn Hughes. I, I would totally agree with that. I think he could have played here the year before. Yep, and, I, and they tried, dominating, right? But if you yeah. wanted to give him spot duty in and out of the lineup, he could have been an NHL player a year earlier. Uh, it is 10 minutes after 8 o'clock here on this uh, Friday morning. Uh, he is known to be a pretty good film critic. Uh, he's also pretty good at uh, disrupting offenses in the National Football League. Uh, from Vancouver College with love, now with the Cincinnati Bengals, Christian Covington joins us here this morning. Christian, how are you, sir? I'm excellent. How are y'all doing? I'm good. Have you watched any? Like, are you, are you, like, are you, it's a bye week for you, so are you back on your movie kick now, or are you just dialed into sports these days? Just a little bit, you know. I'm able to I'm able to dabble with movies here and there. I'm trying to do a little bit of video gaming right now, just to take my mind off of things. But yeah, I'm really starting to enjoy. I'm really enjoying this bye week at the moment. Well, and and when we ask you how are you, uh, it comes on quite a morning, considering what's going on south of the border and what has happened. I mean, we know when we last talked, Christian, you're out protesting black lives matters i mean what is it like in cincinnati what has been has it been like down there this week for you and your team and everything that's going on um honestly it's been um it's been okay i know really for the most part we've just been trying to voice um voice our opinions with regards to just being able to make sure that everybody gets out and vote um trying to make sure that everybody was registered before the elect uh, before the uh you know national voting day and uh, just trying to do what we can with that regard. Um, you know, I just, I, I was able to do so, I was able to do a lot more when I, you know, before I was traded here and I'm trying to become a little bit more involved uh, with regards to what we have planned with regards to social, uh, social reform and social, uh, social justice. So, um, you know, that was a big thing right now. And obviously, you know, uh, that was a big thing that's going on right now with regards to the election. So we're still kind of waiting with fingers crossed to see what's going on with that. Give us a sense of what Cincinnati looks like right now. Is it kind of calm? Like, is everybody just kind of watch, like just watching TV and and seeing how this oh, all yeah. plays out, or are people out on the streets? Like, what's it like? Oh no, it's calm. No, it's. I mean, it's. There's. There's really no. There's no reason to try to escalate things and to you know incite anything, whether it be you know, whether it be inc- whether it be inciting violence or whether it be inciting just you know uh, rallies or anything like that. So this, I, I just feel like honestly, right now, this we need a break. We just need to be able to just you know stay home and just let the results play out and uh, see and just see what see what comes see what comes from this election. Yeah, we wait and see. It looks like Biden has taken the lead, so it looks like he may very well be the 46th president of the United States. How different is football from Houston to Denver to Cincinnati? 
Uh, are locker rooms locker rooms? Does it make a difference to a player? Um, honestly, the the football locker room is, is the sac- it's the sacred room, really. Um, it doesn't change. It doesn't change too too much. I've been fortunate and blessed enough to be able to be in some great locker rooms. Um, you know, obviously, when I when I got the when I was traded to Cincinnati uh, this training this past training camp, uh, you know, I, it was that was a it was quite a transition for me to be able to you know kind of just pick up and and move you know move my life you know halfway across the country, and but at the same time you know to know I was go, I was coming to an organization that was kind of you know young on the rise and uh, just w- uh, eager willing to just do and do whatever it takes to win you know that's something that's this, that's a great atmosphere to be around in that lo- in uh, this locker room that I'm in now, and obviously it doesn't hurt to be on a team where I have former teammates that I've played with on other teams. So that makes the transition and that makes the locker room uh, that much easier to be able to thrive in. Is, is it like is it a little bit like that first day of school when you walk into a new team and into a locker room? Like, do you get those butterflies going? Okay, like how am I going to fit in here? You know, like where's Slater and Zach and Kelly Kapowski and all that? You're trying to figure out the high school politics. <laughs> like, is there a little bit of that similarity when you I walk mean, into? I, I yeah, you can you can say that. It's more so just like you know, I'm 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 just wanting to see what the vibe is like. Honestly, trying to see how this chemistry is going to go. Uh, with regards to being able to react and and you know and adjust on the fly with my brothers on the field, that's the most important thing. And uh, you know, for me, it was um, it was very I was actually very simple. I was able to get the playbook down. I was able to you know study and get my playbook down in about two days, and uh, you know take it from there. So it was uh, you know it was a good it was a really good transition for me. You're in Dallas last year, where I don't think you want for anything because Jerry spends all the money, and the Dallas Cowboys seem to be at the top of the food chain for giving their players everything, yet the product on the field hasn't been there. Is pressure different when you were wearing that star in your helmet to what it is, as you said, in Cincinnati, where it's like, okay, they're now thinking, hey, maybe finally after all these years of losing with Joe, we're going the right way. Is there a difference uh, that a player feels at all, or is that just outside and a fan base? Honestly, I, um, once you're actually in the game, it tends to just become a personal thing, honestly. So for me, I, I can only speak I, – I really can only speak on behalf of myself. And um, I, I feel pressure every time I put a helmet on. So And that's just me talking. Uh, obviously, you know, they are a storied franchise. You know, the Cowboys are a storied franchise. You know, I was blessed to be able to be a part of that team last year. Uh, but, you know, my, my loyalty is now with Cincinnati, obviously. And um, I can really only talk – I can only really talk on behalf of the Bengals. Um, but really, I mean, it's it's uh, there's a, there's a pride thing no matter what with regards to the pressure uh, that comes with you know wearing you know not just having whatever symbols on the side of your helmet, but also wearing that and having that NFL logo patch on your jersey. That's really um, that's really where the real pride and pressure comes from, knowing that you know this is a job. Um, you this is it's not just you're not just playing. Uh, it's yes, you're playing a game. You love this game so much, but it's 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 your it's your job. It's your work, and it's something that. You're gonna have to. Fight. You're truly having to fight for every single day on the practice field, in the meeting room, and obviously uh, come Sunday. So it's um, there's really it's it's really pressure, uh, no matter no no matter what that helmet says. Christian Covington with us here on Sportsnet 650. Do you chuckle a little bit about the tire fire that's going on in Dallas? Just a little. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're smart. That's no a Canadian comment. education right there, Christian. Good answer. Um, how much would a guy like you talk to Joe Burrow and, and give us what you think of him? Because, boy, that seemed to be a kid who's just so poised. And you go, eh, this team is going the right way with him at the controls. Mm-hmm. No, he's um, 
honestly a great young man you know obviously a huge piece of this uh you know for this franchise moving forward uh haven't really been able to you know personally talk with him too too much you know um but i mean from what i know from with with him as a teammate with him as a player uh the brother is ice cold uh the brother he he honestly has uh you know he has he has ice in his veins uh from a game standpoint and it's kind of it's really rare to see that from uh you know from a rookie let alone a rookie quarterback so um he's uh you know it's a blessing to have a guy like him at the helm at the quarterback position and uh, this team you know this team this team has a lot has a lot more to prove and a lot you know a lot of good things in store in the future what do you, what sort of similarities do you see from I, I or i guess are there are there similar traits like you've had a pretty good run with some quarterbacks where Bur- burrow looks like he's a franchise guy but you know you had deshaun and in houston you had dak last year in dallas like you know do you see some parallels with respect to those quarterbacks or are they all kind of their own unique sort of guy? Uh, every, everybody's truly their unique, uh, you know, their own self, their own person. Uh, but I mean, every, every, every leadership quality that you see really just ends up um, coming down to one common factor. And that ends up being leading by example and leading by play. And, you know, the, the names that you mentioned, those are guys that have truly proven themselves in this league who are able to, you know, showcase their talents and showcase their ability on the field and really that's all you can ask for uh, especially with you know a young guy like like joe so we know again as i said happy to have this guy you know he's going to be a franchise quarterback for a long time for a long time christian covington of the cincinnati Bengals joining us on the starting lineup um i said on wednesday as we were doing this show and you find out that the niners are closing the facility i said okay they're not playing thursday night football they did uh, everything continues to go. Uh, what is different for an NFL football player when you guys travel? Is it plane? Are there, you know, from the plane right to the bus? Are there people in the hotel you stay at? What is different in your world with COVID-19 and the testing that you have to go through, Christian? Uh, basically, everything is on lockdown. Um, you have to truly be, they, they break it down by tier. So players, you know, we, we're all on players and staff and whatever and and coaches you know we're all in different tiers but basically uh, everything is really on lockdown come game day uh come traveling um obviously you know whenever we're traveling away um whether whether it be you know the hotel the lock uh, the the bus travel whatever it be you know everybody is you know everybody basically has to check in and check out lock in lock out um no visitors obviously well that's obviously a rule but like no you, there's no being able to go out of the hotel leave the hotel see family see friends have friends and family come to the lobby it's no way you there are no chances taken um and it's a, it's really the right call they're doing everything that they can possible to limit the amount of uh, contact that we have um from just people and you know p- potential you know problems and just trying to prevent any potential problems from arising um you know and it's it's different um, but I mean, at the same t- at the same time, this is something that has to happen. This is something that uh, needs to be done in order to be able to, you know, prolong this game and prolong this season. And I'm willing to sacrifice and go through any jump through jump jump over any hurdles uh, to be able to have the season be played out. You know, Christian, you, you look in the last few years. Um, you know, if you go back even five years ago, you're kind of a unicorn in some respects as a Canadian playing in the National Football League. And now all of a sudden, like, you look at the rise here in the last couple of years. You know, Chase Claypool's making a name for himself suddenly with the Steelers. You know, Chuba Hubbard's obviously making a lot of noise in the NCAA. Um, 
what does it mean to you to see more and more prominent Canadians featured uh, in prominent roles in football now here south of the border? Oh, it's huge. It really is huge. It lets you know that talent is everywhere. And, I mean, speaking, obviously speaking on uh, from a personal level, if you have the talent, they will find you. And it's just honestly just so, it's humbling, it's awesome, it's just amazing to know that, you know, to be able to come from a country like Canada to, and personally, you know, to come from a city like Vancouver, um, it's, it's truly just awesome to be able to know that, you know, guys like us who, you know, put the work in, sacrifice and are able to, you know, have this common goal and common work ethic to be able to try to achieve these dreams. You know, anything is, anything is truly possible. And to be able to see the amount of guys who are truly starting to get more noticed, to, to the amount of guys that are truly starting to become uh, recognized and are able to take their talents, you know, south, uh, south of the border, you know, it's, it's truly remarkable. It's a blessing. And I mean, I, honestly, it's, it's, it's pr- I'm, I'm just proud. I'm proud of these young guys. I'm, I'm proud of these young guys, man. Cause is there like a Canadian brotherhood? Up there. I mean, you hear about that in major league baseball because you know, Canadians kind of dotted all over the place. Like, I don't know if you know chase or any of that. I know there was a Canadian is it Latticeur that's been to Dallas forever. Is there a Canadian brotherhood in the NFL? There really, I mean, honestly, there really is, you know, that these young guys, I haven't had the, I haven't had the good fortune to meet them yet. Obviously I'm going to meet, I'm going to meet Chase next week when we play the Steelers after this bye week. Um, but, I mean, other than that, you know, the other guys, the other Canadians in this league, you know, like, you know, obviously I played with Luke Wilson in college, so that's our, that's an automatic connection. Um, Tyrone Crawford in, Houston, in Dallas, that's my brother. Uh, Elianku, you know, he just got, you know, he's another brother, a good brother in this league. You know, um, we know each other. We played, we played on multiple teams. and But, I mean, that right there, it's huge. As, as you said, there is a brotherhood thing. You know, we know – we know where we come from. We know we know the journey is hard. We know that we it's a it's an uphill battle from where we started, and it's just awesome to be able to you know have that little a little something extra in the locker room, especially if you know one of your teammates is also as a fellow Canadian. It's all it's um it's always awesome to have that connection. Do you still get chirped for being the Canadian though in, in an NFL oh, locker absolutely. room? I feel like a absolutely. a absolutely absolutely. <laughs> Hey, give us a scouting oh. report. Seahawk fans excited to see Carlos Dunlap uh, on the weekend. What do they got? Are they getting a good, talented uh, veteran brother, man? Wish him all the best. Thank you for this. Uh, always appreciate it. Uh, I know we had the Bengals game on TV the other day, uh, and uh, we seen you out there. Changed the number, though, didn't you? Yeah, a little bit, a little change, a little change up. You went 99, no? Yeah, uh, actually, it was the number assigned to me. So that's I, so uh, Canadian, I, Christian. Oh, it's very that's Canadian. so Canadian. <laughs> no, so it wasn't yeah, no, you was going. Gonna, hey, we're going to have ninety-five because I thought ninety-nine. Nice statement, kid. Oh no, I, yeah, no. It's um, I at that point it was a lot. You know, a lot had happened during that trade. So for me, I was I was just happy to you know have be on it, be on the team, be be able to contribute, to be able to you know play and start. Um, I, I, I would have wore any, I would have wore any number that they had given me. So it's, you know, it's at this, at this time, you know, a number, a number is a number. I'm just, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to play in the NFL. Stretch nice to catch up. You. Thanks big man. Appreciate it. Keep playing. Thank you guys. Gretzky and Covington.
Both 99s. Love it. Uh, Christian Covington from the Cincinnati Bengals joining us here uh, on this uh, Friday morning on Sportsnet 650. All right, 24 minutes after 8 o'clock here on this Friday morning. Still to come, a lot of people texting in uh, at the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. We've been talking about the biggest sore losers in sports after inspired by a pretty good rant by somebody who's on the cusp of losing. Uh, Yesterday, we'll get to some more of those submissions. Some surprising ones, some hometown kids getting called out as well. We'll get to all of it next right here on your home of Vancouver Hockey, Sportsnet 650. Welcome to the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on the official home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650. 8.30 on this Friday morning, TGIF everybody. Sabalski and Solkowski rolling into the weekend. Uh, the videos surfacing over the last few hours of uh, Flyers mascot Gritty Pair joining the uh, Count Them All protests in Philadelphia. Boy, if there's a sports city uh, in North America that gets ripped more, it's probably not Philadelphia. The fans, you know, the the booing of Santa Claus, but... For an awful lot of people in the U.S., it was Philly. I've seen videos of Rocky, you know, climbing the stairs. Like, you know, you needed us to come through in the 15th round, and we're here for you. We were gritty. We got it done. City of brotherly love. It appears to be that way. Um, if you're just joining us this morning, since we've been on the air, Georgia is now right now a uh, a blue state. Pennsylvania continue, but it's been crazy with their ballots and Joe Biden has taken the lead. So maybe this uh, election day, which has turned into election week south of the border, will be done by tonight. I've had a buddy who's been down for the last six weeks in Washington, D.C. with his job to cover the election. And he said, yeah, the election and then what's going to happen afterwards. And I just hope that's not the case tonight if uh, officially Joe Biden gets named the 46th president. Well, uh, we uh, continue to wait. Uh, there will be an official recount in uh, the state of Georgia, so um, that will be done over again. That was uh, that word coming down this morning. Um, but, you know, Trump, in a lot of ways, you know, hey, look, um, it, it seems it just seems so contradictory in some respects how he is <laughs> trying to discount votes that were mail-in votes, but... Nevertheless, um, there will be a process, and we'll wait and see. But he did come across as a sore loser yesterday and kind of got us thinking, you know, think about, like, all-time great sore losers in sports. Now, Trump was the one-time owner of the USFL's New Jersey Generals, uh, so he could potentially uh, qualify for that. But we've had a lot of submissions coming in over the course of the morning pair uh, and a few new ones here in the last little while. There's been a couple of people texting in on this one, um, but Bobby in Vancouver uh, pointing out, how about the IBF super middleweight fight back in the early 2000s? James Butler with the sucker punch on Richard Grant after Grant mm-hmm. approached him moments after the decision was announced. Grant went to hug Butler after the fight, like most boxers do, and got clocked. And you know what? Butler took his gloves off to deliver that shot. And with mm-hmm. a taped hand, and it was actually Butler who was convicted of murdering uh, the brother of Max Kellerman uh, from ESPN. Um, and, and then and a few people texting in that. Like, that was awful, that sucker punch 
by James Butler. And I think that was about 2001 pair. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you try and think of, of sucker punches and yeah, there's, there's nothing worse than that. Uh, Tony's saying that Milan Lucic and the threats he made to Dale Weiss in a handshake after uh, losing to the Habs. You know, yeah, there's there's an awful lot of emotion that gets in there. How about this one, James? I will refer to you with regards to the Montreal screw job, but was Brett Hardis our loser? Oh man, I man, I'm I was always on Team Brett. Um, but I mean, the fact that you know wrestling is a work and was leaving to go to the competition and didn't want to lose in Canada, like it just in or specifically Montreal, it seemed to be. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a little bit of a sore loser. I guess you you can make a case. I don't want to call Bret Hart a sore loser, though, man. I was always on Team Bret. Unfortunately, the owner did what he had to do. And Brett wasn't exactly too happy about it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna defend Brett for his actions there. He got screwed, man. He got screwed I, on that one. Yeah, and you know what? I would almost go and they haven't submitted him and submit him in on the Dunbar Dunbar text line at six fifty six fifty. Like to me, I remember talking about it in the summertime as the Canucks were beating the St. Louis Blues, and when they would win a game in the series, it was never credit to them. Like the players going, you know, we're just getting into it here. It's been a while. It's kind of been a dumb setup. Uh, it was never, that's a good hockey team. It took a long time to give them credit, even for the first couple of wins when they beat Las Vegas. You know, I, okay, that's good. You know, it was never, that's a good hockey team. Man, to me, I know it's tough to do sometimes. Just say, you know, we can play better, but give them credit. That's the only line you have to say. Give them credit and you're good enough. But I thought in some of the games the St. Louis Blues earlier in that series were sore losers. You know, there was one, and when you think about the Butler sucker punch, there was one at the Olympics about 12 years ago, pair in the 2008 Summer Games, where Angel Matos, like a legendary Taekwondo athlete from Cuba, he was a gold medal winner in Sydney in the Summer Games. Like, guy checked the boxes as being like a legitimate, you know, gold medal winner. But in 2008, he got, in the bronze medal match, he got disqualified when he turned around, took issue with the official, and kicked the referee in the face. He got banned for life by the governing body and the IOC and the World Taekwondo Federation. But there's a guy, you talk about sore loser, turning around and throwing a roundhouse kick on Helmatos. If you've never seen it before, you just give it a Google. Uh, but it is insane. Like, just turns around and wow. throws like a roundhouse kick to the referee's face. Gold medal uh, winner Graham, and banned. Graham and Richmond saying Steve Francis and Eric Lindros to be considered. Oh. As the sorest losers. See, I don't know if uh, is Eric a sore loser. He hadn't. I, both of them hadn't played yet, or were they just coming off as spoiled, not wanting to go to the respective cities that uh, had chosen him in the draft? Francis here to Vancouver, Lindros, and people remember sitting up in the stands. I am not putting on a Quebec Nordiques uniform. Not doing it. No. No, and that's, I mean, was he, a, yeah, I mean, he just, you know what, it's funny, like, Lindros kind of changed the game at the time, what, 30 years ago, right? 
you know, understanding his worth and his value. And you, you look at, I think, between Lindros and what he ultimately did going forward, and then the Alexander Dade contract a couple of years later. Like, there's, there's two athletes that kind of changed the game for rookies and rookie contracts now in the National Hockey League, right? The ELC, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, that were kind of, you know, when you looked at kind of the, the athletes and, you know, in, in a lot of ways you see like, you know, there's rookie deals now in the NFL, rookie deals in the NBA, you know, keep those guys cheap for the first couple of years and then they all get paid with the, the monster contracts. But yeah, I mean, Steve Francis without question, right? And, and Lindros, I mean, if you were a Quebec Nordiques fan, oh, just the disgust, right? Like that. Well, that boy, absolutely... having conversations, James, with NHL players at that point, um, when Eric was making that stand and talking to guys who were in the league, having never seen that before, boy, did they, when cameras were off, when microphones were shut off, did they have an opinion of Lindros, Mumbani, and the whole Lindros camp to actually, for the first time in a long time, have someone without being in the league acting like they're bigger than the game. Now, he was, in essence, I mean, here he was playing with the best players in the world in the in the Canada cup and he still wasn't even an NHLer, but boy, he took quite a stand and he certainly had his detractors. I don't know if that meant him as a loser. He was making a stand before he'd actually even played a game in the league though. Text into the Dunbar lumber text line at six fifty six fifty. 650 Anton in Vancouver saying Todd Bertuzzi with the uh, sucker punch from behind on Steve Moore. You know, I'm probably in the minority on this one, this uh, defending Todd this week, but, Todd is a friend. Todd is a colleague of ours here on this show. I'll go back to 2004, and yes, did what happened to Steve Moore, was it bad? For sure. But I'd also say that it also came, like, Burt going after Moore came from a place of love when his best friend had been absolutely knocked out at center ice by a cheap shot from Steve Moore the game prior. And I think the way things had played, I'm... To call it a sore loser, I'm not. I, I wouldn't say that about Bert. Yeah. I mean, I think he was simply trying to, you know, to defend his his best friend and his line mate, Mark uh, Marcus Naslin at the time, the captain of the team as well. Yeah, no, I did defense. We won't get into it and the results of it all. But uh, Vic saying John Elway. John Elway's doing a lot of losing. I can't remember what Elway had done when he was uh, Vic. That would constitute. Nothing pops to mind where John Elway was. Lost the three Super Bowls first before he won the last two. Uh, before yeah, he but retired, did he do but... anything at the point that like Cam Newton has come up a couple times? Jody, Jody texting in like when he lost his Super Bowl, he did not handle that well. Um, a few people have suggested Cam Newton. I just can't think of John Elway doing something after the loss where uh, maybe Vic's just got to hate him for John. Well, you know, I'll say this: I hated John Elway as a kid. Really. I, I hated him, but it, but it was also a sign, like looking back as I've kind of gotten older, it was a sign of just how good he was. Like I'd put John Elway in my top five quarterbacks of all time. You know, I'd put, you know, Montana's in there, Brady's in there. I got, I got Elway probably at number three. He was so good. He was so good, especially in the fourth quarter, and it drove me nuts. You know, and, and probably wasn't the best version of himself when he won those Super Bowls in the late 90s. But Elway was, oh my God, he was so good. I mean, just ask yeah. anybody who was a Cleveland Browns fan in the 1980s. 
you know, and Vic's, Vic's going back to uh, yeah, Vic's going back to the draft, which yep. Eli Manning the same thing could be considered. Eli didn't want to go That's to San right. Diego with the Colts. He goes to New York, but you're right, Elway didn't want to go to Indianapolis, um, so they were making that deal. So yeah, it's true. Pistons getting a lot of love here too. That's fresh off the fact that um, you know the last dance came out. A lot was made of Isaiah Thomas. That's cold too. When you saw that video of. Of uh, there it is. Okay, you've finally been beaten by the Bulls, and they're gone. They're walking off. Again, I bring it back to hockey. That's the beauty of it. The fact when these things are over, live or die, guys are shaking hands. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I mean, the Pistons for sure. I mean, and, and that, to kind of relive that again earlier this year with the Last Dance docuseries uh, on Netflix and ESPN with Michael Jordan and the 90s Bulls, for sure. We talked about this earlier this morning, but Brian and Abbotsford, uh, Mike Tyson, you know, mm-hmm. the ear fighting. Uh, now, you suggested it might have been a strategy. The strategy, right? Let's yeah. get the second fight. He's got okay. two ears. We're guaranteed at least three fights. Uh, um, pa- Patrick Waugh. On the bench, demanding a trade. That's interesting. Is that, is, was Waugh a sore, see, I would never think Patrick Waugh is a sore loser. Um, yeah, he was just embarrassed at that point. Uh, Tony with a great one. How about Matt Murray after Besser scores on him? Said he was lucky. Yeah, I see, to me, that's a sore loser. That's fun. But yeah, you're a sore loser. You can't give someone any credit. I'm not going to give Patrick Waugh a sore loser. He just wanted out and didn't like how he was embarrassed on that. Well, but I mean, I would say this. Like, when you talk about arrogant players in hockey history, I mean, hey, look, Patrick Waugh is a top three goalie of all time, you know, number two on my list behind Hasek. But, man, oh, man, like, you talk about, you know, arrogance, you know, high maintenance, Mm -hmm. you know, Patrick Waugh is the kind of guy that you can say, hey, nice job out there, Patrick. I know. <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. He would no, always he end every every scrum. You're welcome. You're uh, <laughs> yeah, thanks, I guess. I normally say thanks. Like, hey, this is fresh, and we forgot about it. Remember, it happened about 45 years ago when Drew Doughty called the uh, Vancouver Canucks a team like that. That's a sore loser. You just got beat. Hey, what would you think? How do we lose to a team like that? That's a sore loser. Very well done. Sign your text, everybody. We put uh, we put a lot of history under the microscope of the last few years. I mean, just ask John A. McDonald. Um, but how about Joe and New West asking, was Roger Nielsen a poor loser, giving up, or just simply frustrated? An innovator, man. Where else? Got a statue, man. You can't be a sore loser if they built a statue for you. Yeah, Captain. No, Video. that was a that was a great tactic. <laughs> Dude, I mean, frustrated. it's like. 40 years later, we're talking like, who is like, what, what team, what franchise, what city doesn't wave white towels or, or yellow towels in Pittsburgh? I mean, the terrible towel. I mean, it's all over the place. But he wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't pointed at the opposition. It was pointed at the referees, right? I, I don't think he was going, Chicago's really good. I don't know what the post game comments would have been, but I don't take uh, your team getting beat when you're, you're kind of on the officials. Right, and I think Nilsson at that point, he was frustrated at the refereeing. I don't think that symbol was, yeah, I give up. Our team's bad. I wouldn't go there with that. Six fifty, six fifty. It's the Dunbar Lumber text line. It's uh, it's hopping right now. Some final thoughts before we turn things over to Scotty at the top of the clock next, right here on Sportsnet six fifty.
Now more of the starting lineup with James Sabolski and Perry Solkowski on Sportsnet 650. All right, 10 minutes to uh, 9 o'clock. The Scott Rental Show uh, ready to take on over in just a few minutes at the top of the hour. James Sabolski here, Perry Solkowski there. Um, somebody texting in at the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650 pair uh, trying to straighten us out and get your facts straight. Eric Lindros did not want to play for the Nordiques. It was he did not want to play for Nordiques owner Marcelo Boo, which I guess if you look at history in the last few years, the biggie was right about Marcelo Boo, who was uh, certainly um, uh, exposed as the uh, head of the Canadian Olympic Committee in the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, if, if the guy owns a team or if he's part of the team running the team, yeah, it's different. I don't know. We had our facts that wrong there, but okay, he wasn't going to Quebec. He wasn't going and, to Quebec. The point is he wasn't going to the Nordiques. Yes, exactly. Tom and Brady, him LeBron going to James. Philly, yeah. created Quebec on their way to Colorado, which is a franchise, and Joe Sackett going in, I would say, is Mr. Hockey in Denver, Colorado, for not only what he did on the ice, but what he's doing now, because he may, I don't know how many guys would have won a Stanley Cup and then a Stanley Cup as a GM, but wouldn't you think um, that's coming up next for Joe Sackick in the next little bit, quite possibly? Mm, yeah. I don't know how big that list would be. Yeah, no, I think Stevie that's... I, well, no, Stevie Eisenman wouldn't have had it, should have, didn't. Um, uh, you know, I, I think part thought. of the charm for, we talk about sore losers, you look at all Lee. You know, and I think part of the charm and, and part of the appeal, there's a great documentary on uh, the relationship he had with uh, Dick Cavett and all, all the appearances that Ali had made on his show, um, which you can check out on, I believe it's on Crave. And just how Ali was the guy who was all hyperbole and hype selling a fight. Now I'm going to knock out this bum. I'll do this and that. But when Ali lost, like there was no sore loser. Right, like it was mm. always like I, I I lost. Like he was always humble and gracious in defeat, and I think that probably endeared him even more to fans after losing, compared to like we talk about some of the goats, like LeBron James. You know, Scott Rintoul pointing out that you know LeBron refusing to shake hands, um, you know, against Orlando when they lost, and and justified it saying I don't accept losing. Where Sidney Crosby didn't do the the same thing against Detroit, but Sid kind of later admitted, eh, you know what, that was a mistake on my part. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, and it's funny, you mentioned uh, Ali. You know, you can go on YouTube and see, it used to be a show, This Is Your Life. And so Ali's retired by then, or they're having their This Is Your Life. And they have, you know, someone's voice speaking. And it was Joe Fraser. And boy, the love that they had for each other, the admiration they have for each other. When you talk about the boxing greats and wasn't George Foreman just won his title this week when you go back when he beat Michael Moore? Um, you know, that great rivalry in the 70s of the heavyweights, so much respect for each other. So much respect for each other away from the ring. No sore losers there. Fair enough. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, a quick statement from the Cincinnati Bengals here uh, this morning. That uh, How about this? We just talked to Christian Covington Jeez. and... Uh, uh, Bengals made him aware this morning that two of the team's players have tested positive for COVID-19. So, Why is he not breaking yeah. that on our show? <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Well, this is just coming down in the last two minutes here. So, 
Uh, there you go. It continues in the National Football League. We got to get out of here. Uh, look, there was a major record in this province set yesterday with 425 new cases of COVID-19. Let's be safe. Let's be better out there and take care of yourself over the course of the weekend. And we'll be back at it. Same bat time, same bat channel on Monday. For Perry Solkowski, Greg Ballack on the other side of the glass, our producer, Mike English, assistant program director, DJ APD, Art Factor. I'm James Sabolski. Talk to you Monday, everybody. Stay safe. See you.